So I grew up watching Bill Cosby in many of his different forms. When I was really young, Fat Albert, the cartoon, was on Saturday morning. When I was in the 70s, we didn't have the Cartoon Network. We didn't have a lot of things. But the one thing we did have was... Saturday morning cartoons. Saturday morning cartoons. And I would wake up at the crack of dawn and... It would start with like Mickey Mouse and like old stuff, but then it would get into the good stuff. And Fat Albert was was one of my favorite uh, cartoons growing up. It was it was interesting the the you know the guys with their different voices. Hey hey hey! It's Fat Albert. And I didn't realize until just you know as an adult that Bill Cosby did most of the voices of those yeah. guys. I thought it, they were different people. <laughs> I mean, I think in my mind at the age of five, I thought they were real human beings, but <laughs> but it was such a weird world to me, you know? Yeah. Like, even today, looking back at this cartoon, I don't think I realized that this was supposed to be, like, the quote-unquote ghetto or something. Right. Like, to no, me, I, I definitely didn't either. It was, to me, it was just like, you're just like, you know, these eight fun people who right. did these things. Um, and Bill Cosby would have these little segments during the Fat Albert show where... Yep he himself would go on camera and give these little uh, lessons to kids. And then I remember Bill Cosby, his stand-up records. It was uh, something that my whole family would listen to. Again, in the 70s, you didn't have VHS tapes. You didn't have uh, Comedy Central. And so stand-up routines, you had to listen to on a record. Right. And so, And when you buy a record, it's expensive. You don't just listen to that thing once. I mean, we, my family, we had a Cheech and Chong comedy record that <laughs> we would listen to. You know, you just pop it on and you all just sit around the record player and listen yeah, to yeah, this yeah. comedy. And, <laughs> but Bill Cosby's records were hilarious, you know, right. and he didn't use any dirty jokes. So and it was very family oriented. So right. it was the whole that, family could hear. Yeah, it was one of the few really popular uh, uh, comedi- comedians who you could do that. Then there were all the Jello commercials. It, it's, it just seemed ubiquitous, just constant jello commercials right with with bill uh, cosby then i remember uh watching i spy reruns even though that predates my life i spy i spy is a tv show oh okay i don't he, know that one. he do you remember greatest american hero yeah yeah do you remember the fbi agent yeah so him and bill cosby were cops or detectives oh. or spies i guess okay. they pro- probably were spies <laughs> But Bill and Bill Cosby plays like it's almost like a um, uh, like drag. It's almost like a dragnet, very dry. Okay, you know, it's very serious. Oh, it wasn't a humor show. No, Bill Cosby. Oh. in I Spy, Bill Cosby was like super smooth. You know, he we're talking '67, so oh. he's got like uh, turtlenecks on. Yeah. And, you know, he's the he's the super smooth guy. Oh, I've seen pictures of this. I now I know what this is from. Like I, I've seen pictures of that with him, like that young wearing that, but I didn't know what it was from. <laughs> yeah, he actually won a bunch of Emmys for that show. It's like That's a gra- crazy. and it was groundbreaking because he was an African American. He was one of the very, f- I, th- I think he might have been the first African American to have a leading role in such a great in a, guy in a TV show. Um, and then, of course, 1984, the Cosby Show comes out. This was a mammoth part of my yeah. of my childhood years. I mean, did you have this in Colombia? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, it wasn't as popular. Well, I, 
Actually, I shouldn't say that because we didn't have that many channels. So it was on. So it must have been popular. But for me, it was something I watched, but it wasn't one of my like main shows. But I, I, I know how big it was here. Yeah, it was a phenomenon yeah. in, in the United States. Th- this was at a time when everyone watched the same TV shows uh, every night. Right. Because there were only three channels. And one of the channels would have something dumb on it. And so like, <laughs> so usually like there was pretty much at any given time, one TV show that everyone was watching and, and Cosby show was number one for a long time. And this means, you know, number one TV show today is like, you know, a couple million people are watching it right. or something. Back then it was like half of Americans yeah. at any given moment are watching this TV show, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just a big part of my life. And, um, I just remember thinking that Bill Cosby, you know, especially after the Cosby show, because it was, you know, every Thursday night or something, you know, Bill Cosby comes on and right. you're just like this American dad and successful and funny and yeah. self-deprecating. And the the kids were so great. And this him and his wife had a flirtatious relationship. And he always had those comfy looking sweaters with really crazy yeah. patterns. Yeah. The Huxtable sweater. Yeah. Um, he just seemed to be the nicest guy on the planet. And he reminded me of my dad. Yeah. Like my dad would joke around in a very similar way to Bill Cosby. <laughs> uh, he, the faces he made, the way sure. he moved, moved. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Guy. And then a few years ago, I start hearing about these allegations. Dun, dun, dun. That he had drugged and raped a woman. Certainly ridiculous accusations, right? Yeah. I mean, when you heard that, when you heard this accusation, it just seemed crazy. Come on. Someone's someone's trying to like cash in or something. Well, I didn't think that because I I don't jump to that conclusion um, so much. What I thought was it must be overblown, like... He maybe he was a little inappropriate. You know, this is before me too. So no, I, I mean, so you were probably way more informed in this realm because I absolutely assumed it was some sort of cash grab because I didn't imagine that that was a possibility. Right. And then uh, more women started coming forward, and then you're yes. like, you know, like, ooh, there's a couple other women. Yes. Then, then you're like, well, wait a second. What's up here? And then more women. Yeah, like, why would so many people be saying the same thing? Dozens of women, and then Dozens you start, of and then you women. then you start hearing the actual details of him, and and the women are giving interviews, right? Because this wasn't like, you know, we were at a party fifty years ago, and he kind of pinched my butt, right? Or, or even just some of the stuff like Kevin Spacey did, you know. No. Um, even some of the stuff that Weinstein did. Right. I mean, Weinstein... He literally raped Yeah, people. he literally, like, grabbed <laughs> yeah. people and raped them. But, I mean, it was at the... In other words, it's it's in that realm plus. It's that realm plus. <laughs> it's that realm plus, like, evil, diabolical yeah. nightmare. Yeah. Where he just, like, says, drink this, yeah. you pass out, and he rapes you. Yeah. You know, it's just, like, crazy. So, oh, by the way, what are we listening to right now? <laughs> this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host... Dr. Kirk Honda, I'm a therapist and a professor, and I think my favorite Bill Cosby thing would have to be Fat Albert as a kid. Yep, my name is Umberto Castaneda. I definitely agree with the Fat Albert angle. That was, I loved, loved, loved that cartoon. Um, and I actually. Who was your favorite character? 
Um, well, I buzz, I buzz, I buzz. <laughs> no, no, no. I actually really liked Fat Albert. Like that was my favorite. Uh, well, what about because the... he just seemed like so wise and yeah. so like good. But the cool guy with the hat. Yeah, I know, but like I just thought all the other ones were sort of like they they had their their niche. But I I thought like Fat Albert really brought it together, man. Yeah, I did like I, as a funny thing. I liked the one with the eyes that you could only yeah, like, yeah. the hat was so much on his face that, that completely <laughs> confused me as a kid and still does. <laughs> like why why does he have holes in his hat? <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember it's like is that his hair? Like I remember. <laughs> There's a lot of things, right? Right, because like purple hair. Or there's a lot of thing things as kids <laughs> that you just sort of say, "Oh, it must be that," you know? Yeah. Because you can't ask your parents everything. Well, you know what it reminded me of? Because at the same time, actually, in the Saturday morning cartoons, they had Justice League and and the the uh, League of uh, the Evil. What is the the Justice, Justice League and, and the, the League of uh, the evil oh my god i can't believe anyways do you remember evil? the manta manta yeah so i always thought it wasn't obviously they, they don't look anything alike but i always thought of manta because they they both had like the eyes you know oh so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so um did you introduce yourself oh sorry my name is umberto castanilla i love the cosby the, the fat albert show and i make little um fake wands for wizards so they they do magic but they're not like super powerful okay so some of the patrons asked us to do a deep dive on him because there's some recent news stories and so i thought we would do that what do you say let's do it so as a caveat i just have to say that i can't diagnose him from afar everything i know about bill cosby and everyone else for that matter is from the internet, so I really don't know, and I really mean this. I, I'm not just saying it as a sort of, you know, disclaimer at the beginning to you know absolve me of any problem moving forward in this episode. I really do mean it. You know, it, if I sat down and talked with him, God knows what I would actually, and he, and if he was forthcoming, God knows what I would actually, uh, you know, determine. But based on what we can see on the internet, I'm going to talk about some things. Um, and uh, contrary to other episodes, I'm just going to... So this episode is going to be a little long. Sure. I've got a lot of... There's a lot of different details to the story. Unlike some of our other episodes. Yeah, <laughs> that I think are worth going over. But um, instead of uh, just providing my analysis at the end, I'm just going to do it at the beginning. So he has two different problems that you can categorize. Um, and the first category has two different categories. So... He has one or both of the following. Number one is sexual sadism. This is something that is not in the DSM. It should be, in my opinion, because it's very particular, and it doesn't fit in any of the other categories. It's not akin to antisocial or psychopathy. Sexual sadism is a thing. It's basically getting off on the suffering of other people. It's if, you know, most people don't have this condition. It's extremely unusual. But imagine, you know, for all you allosexual people out there who like to have sex with people, imagine what, what's sexual? Allosexual? It's the it's the opposite of asexual. Oh, got so it. I mean, you're in you like having sex, okay. or you're attracted to other people sexually. Um, and uh, you know, imagine the things that turn you on, mm-hmm. the things you the go to fantasies in your brain. <clears throat> right. Well, imagine if that thing, and it was only one thing, was you know, holding someone down that doesn't want to have sex with oh, you, geez. you know, or drugging someone right. and intimidating them and then having sex with you. There are people out there who have this condition. So like Ted Bundy had some, some of this, right? 
Right. A lot of a lot of people have this. Now, this the I mean, a lot of those people, those famous people we hear about have it. Very few people actually have it. The the thing that we just have to establish up front is that, you know, because some people, particularly victims of sexual abuse, will be like, well, isn't everyone basically a sexual sadist? What? You know, when, but they refrain because they don't want to get in trouble. And of what? Course, yeah. That, some people, I know there are some uh, people who will say, especially about men, they'll just be like, well, isn't every man basically a rapist? Oh know? my God. Yeah. And they've done studies, and what they find is the vast majority of people, you know, men included, uh, have absolutely no sexual arousal. They'll hook their penis up to a plethysmograph, and when you depict scenes of rape and, you know, harming of other people, um, or you, you know, ask them to fantasize about such a thing they have no sexual arousal at all. Yeah, no, I mean, I physically do... I feel it would be impossible unless you, like, force-fed me Viagra or something. I don't, I don't think I could possibly get erect to perform something like that. Like, right. Not, not on, right. Not only that, which would, you know, belie your sexual arousal preferences, right. but also just your moral preferences. Right. Now, I mean, let alone that I wouldn't want to do it, but just, like, if it were, like... Well, but you get turned on, don't you? It's like, no, I don't think I could actually get an erection, like, right. let alone... So I, so I just want to be clear about that, that Bill Cosby suffers from something that's really quite particular. The notion of anyone, one, having sexual arousal from an unconscious, unwilling partner who will undoubtedly be extremely upset as soon as they wake up uh, is very aberrant, and the uh, ability to overcome the the moral fibers that are you know we're born with or we learn early in life the vast majority of us the ability to to just circumvent that or not have those fibers is quite aberrant as well so he either had sexual sadism which i think he actually had or sometimes people talk about somnophilia which is basically getting off on people who are unconscious that seems more like a a side effect <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like it's and when we get into the stories which we will, there were plenty of women that he assaulted who were not unconscious. Right. You know. Uh he seemed to actually really get off on people, women, young women, young defenseless women who did not want to have sex with him and were quite upset during the interaction, might be saying no, might even be struggling. And he really liked that. Because the thing about it is that Bill Cosby, at the height of his career, which spanned decades, right. could and probably did have sex with whoever he wanted to. Right. We're talking the 60s and the 70s, right. you know? Uh, he was a good-looking kid when he was, right. you know, in the 60s. And super, you know, popular, famous, all these things. So, at the very least, he had plenty of attention throwing, thrown his way. And could have had sex with, you know, and I, I don't know if he did, but uh, could have had sex whenever he wanted is right. the thing. And yet he still resorted to these horrible acts. That's right. what tells you. It's like if you, you know, have a buffet of food and you go across the street to get a shitty hot dog, right. it's like... You must like the shitty you hot dog. You must really like that shitty hot dog. It's like when we start, as soon as we started the podcast, 
I, I stopped being able to walk down Seattle streets because I just get inundated with propositions left and right from everyone, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to go across the street to eat the shitty chili dog. You know? <laughs> um, so uh, now, without interviewing him, we don't really know where this comes from because sexual sadism, it's not like bipolar or something. You know, it's, it's, it's something, it's a personality disorder. So... Um, it's unclear as to what part of the sadistic act or the because he had an mo. Yeah, it's unclear what part of that he he got most aroused by. You know, was it the fact that they were drugged and unconscious to some degree? I mean, he did that a lot. Sometimes he didn't. So, you know, did he love? Did he just you know like you know Dahmer and. Yeah. Uh, Ted Bundy, it's like they wanted to have sex with disembodied heads and stuff. Uh, you know? Now, do you think in this case, because uh, I don't know enough about the trials, all that stuff. Do you think that in this case he was like, I don't know, that's just what you do. You just give them these little roofies and then you just have sex. Or was he like, I'm going to drug her and I'm going to... Well, we'll get into that. Okay. Um, also, was it the fact that they didn't want to have sex with him, you know, or was it not? Um, was it the fact that they couldn't observe him while he had sex with them because they're unconscious? Um, there's just no really no way to really know like the flavor of he had. But, but I he, thought there were also those things where like, and then all of a sudden I saw his erect penis right in my face and stuff like that. Right. Well, we'll get into the stories. So part of this episode, I just want to review like, I don't know, a third of the actual cases. Okay. And not as a voyeuristic thing, but as a way of demonstrating how much of a monster he was and also yeah. demonstrating his MO and also demonstrating the years and years and years that went by of him committing these crimes, right. high crimes with no recourse because our society is fucked up. Right. So, so sexual sadism, uh, he had, uh, according to what we can learn on the internet and definitely some sort of psychopathy or antisocial personality. Lack of empathy, disregard for other people. Wait, wait, that's crazy, right? Because how can how can he care so much to build? I'm not talking about pretending. That's one thing. I'm talking about like he clearly cared enough to build up a certain kind of show and a certain kind of educational moment in a show and all these things. Yeah. Right. So what? It, it's in the eye of the beholder. So some people will look at that. Because not only that, but he was a humanitarian. Right. Charities, uh, right. helping people's careers. Right. Uh, helping African-American people in, in, in show business and stuff. Uh, you know, he gave away millions of dollars, and he didn't have to. And, and so, uh, now, which one is it? Is he just doing those nice things so that he can trick people into believing that he's not a monster? And so he can get more people to manipulate, or is he genuine? Does he genuinely have a nice side to him, yeah. while also having a monster side? It's a philosophical question that no one knows the answer to. Um, I tend to think with Bill Cosby that he probably genuinely had a good side to him. Um, that you know, when you actually meet some of these people. Uh, you actually you realize that they're not monsters. They have a monstrous side to them, but they have very normal human qualities. Well, but I guess what I what I was thinking was, and granted, he wasn't dismembering people. But what I'm thinking is, a lot of times these these psychopaths you hear about and things like that, Ted Bundy's of the world, uh, 
it doesn't seem like they were building anything worthwhile outside of their proclivities. They might have a job or whatever. They might not in many cases. But but they, it wasn't like, well, yeah, they were killing all those people. But they were also building this one beautiful habitat for humanity. No, like that never seems to be the case. Well, I don't know. Like Manson, for example, the beginning of his story if if you just sort of took the first few years and then just didn't know what happened after that, you would think that he was just like a happy-go-lucky hippie musician who loved love and wanted people to get together. And like he was a he was a leader in the beginning of people who were um, just about love and get like. There's a story about how he, you know I can't remember if this is true or not. Could it be apocryphal, but he was preaching about love and giving away your possessions and, um, but he had already been in jail for a long time, by the way. Well, as a kid, <laughs> as a kid, he was a troubled kid, yeah, but, so but, like, but as a, as a young man, he had sort of changed his ways. My point is, is that he definitely had a personality story, but my point is, is that you said these people often don't have, and I'm telling you that a lot of these people, the, the beginning of their story sometimes does begin with. So to complete my story is, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but someone walked up as a joke and said like, well, if you just give away all your possessions, why don't you give me your van? Yeah. And Charles Manson was like, okay, take my van. Here's the keys. Right. And the guy like took the van. He was like, are you kidding? And then he came back and he like joined his cult or whatever. Yeah. But well, anyway. okay. But, but, but I guess the other way to look at this is if we're going by like, you know, traditional, because I guess it's, I'm reacting to the fact that you mentioned psychopathy as a potential part of this equation. Yeah, well, he clearly was a psychopath. Well, but see, I don't know how... Cause, because... First of all, he wasn't disorganized in his life. He was very successful, very able to put together empire, right? And he had long-term relationships, you know, like he was married forever, right? All these kinds of things. So, and he did all these things that did seem very, very, um, like... <laughs> Out of out of tune with someone that's a true psychopath, right? So like, well, what's a, what do you mean by a true psychopath? Because um, I don't think you know what a true psychopath is. Well, I mean, I mean, someone that where you could sort of trace all their action or a, most of their actions to like. So I think it, they're just they're just looking for number one, right? And they're and and well, everything so, else is like just in service of that. Psychopaths aren't in general entirely constantly focused on number one. Like I said, there are mm. many psychopaths who have absolute moments where they um, give to other people and they care in yeah. a sense. Um, but like when we did the thing, because we did the, we went through all the traits and stuff many, many moons ago, and there was a lot of things about the dysfunction in their life. You right. Know, when, so yeah, we're going to get into it. Okay. There's a lot of things you don't know. Okay. And I be. didn't know. All right. About his personal life. Okay. That so it's not just the raping like it's a whole pattern oh, of, right, right. of his life. The the easy you know it's easy if you have millions of dollars to give money to a charity. Yeah, it's harder to have a relationship with okay. someone who. All right, so let, let's get because I always by the way I always used to have the wrong conception of psycho, psychopathy before we had a lot of those conversations because like most people I always thought psychopaths were these sort of like genius level intellect masterminds with no empathy. Yeah, right. which is not the common scenario. Yeah. Typical psychopaths make horrific mistakes all the time. Like, there's a whole, you know, minor, or, or there's a whole, like, percentage of people in prison who are psychopathic who 
got there because of just repetitive dumb mistakes, you know, and, and impulsive actions. But anyway, so again, from what we can learn from the internet, I can't diagnose him because I haven't assessed him, but from what we can learn on the internet, he seemingly had a lack of empathy, disregard for others because of a pattern of doing a lot of horrible things to other people, seemingly no remorse because we don't have any evidence of it. it he could have had remorse. It's, it's not, it's, we don't really know because he could have been quite busted up about this whole thing. Yeah. There are, you know, like there are pedophiles, for example, who are attracted to kids and will molest a child and then afterwards feel really horrible about it yeah. because they're not a psychopath, but, yeah. they're, but they have attracted to children. Like, have you seen the interviews with the guy from Seventh Heaven? N- no. That actor? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He he seems like someone that, you know, it seems like he had some experiences as a child that, like, triggered him and stuff. And he seemed like he knew that it was wrong and that yeah. – not that – and he wasn't excusing it or anything. It's just like it seemed like he knew at the time and he knew after and all that stuff, you know. Right. You know, being attracted to children is not the same as being a psychopath, right? Um, which people will conflate a lot. So, and being a rapist, being a sexual sadist also doesn't necessarily mean you're a psychopath. doesn't mean you lack empathy. So, it's unclear. To me, it looked like he had no remorse because of the longevity of the behavior and the way he treated people afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, He had repetitive antisocial behaviors in a number of different contexts, and he also was narcissistic in a lot of ways, which 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 I would characterize this as an element of his psychopathy. Um, but the whole question here is like, why would someone be this way? Mm-hmm. Right. That's what you come to this podcast for. Yeah. And that's what we will answer after the break. What do you say, Berto? Let's answer it. All right. We're back from the break before we get to why such a person would develop into that sort of person. I want to tell everyone that they should become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's how we know that you like the podcast. We're trying to meet our next goal on Patreon where we will provide another scholarship to a needy mental health student, student in mental health. Uh, We are giving away a $2,000 scholarship now, so apply, apply now, please. The deadline is January 31, 2019. Email me at contact.psychologyinseattle.com. As of right now, we have no applicants, so you could be that one person. Right, <laughs> a lucky it. break. Um, and also, uh, if we meet our Patreon goal, we'll be able to give another even larger uh, uh, scholarship to, to someone. Cast your Patronus spell on us. Ah. All right, so I'm just going to go through a story chronologically because I right. think it helps to do that. So he's born in 1937. He grew up in poverty. So right away we have a factor of stress. Mm. Uh, stress on the family, which leads to compromised parenting, more stress for him, etc. cetera. Uh, then we have, his, let's look at his father. Bill Cosby's father was an alcoholic and oh, dra- boy. drank heavily. So there's a, there's a problem right there. Oh, boy. Uh, if you've never had an alcoholic father or an alcoholic in your family, being a heavy drinker, frequent drinker, all-day drinker, you are compromised. You might have uh, issues with rage. You're flaky, Ugh. blah, blah, blah. 
and uh, not always, but you know, some people can be nice drunks. It depends, but we could, you know, take a a guess and say that Bill Cosby's father was not just an alcoholic, but also probably. Right. Highly problematic. Well, and also giving the time where he was born, where he was born at the time he was born, his father being an alcoholic and and emotionally and or physically abusive probably wouldn't be that surprising. Exactly. His father joined the Navy when Bill Cosby was young and was away from home for months at a time. Uh, I think this was during World War II or at least building up oh, to it. Oh, sure, yeah. And so, again, we have more factors here of stress for the young Bill Cosby, alcoholic father, father in the Navy, abandonment, right? you know, that kind of stuff. Mother, she worked cleaning houses. Uh, she was essentially a single mom. He was the oldest of five. And I think, he had all, I think he had all brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so there could... I'm now making shit up, but it could have been... If he was being abused on by his father, he might have taken that out on his younger siblings, and that could have established a mental pattern for him, too. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, of course. But, just, but could be. I'm just yeah. pulling strings. <laughs> could be. Could be. Um, he, as a young child, shined shoes to help with family finances. In the business, we call this parentification, which was necessary at the time, yeah. I guess. But when you're eight years old and you already have responsibilities that are outpacing your maturity, it has an effect on you in that it you are denied certain developmental stages emotionally that you need to go through at that time of developing a sense of self. You know, if you're yeah. shining shoes, you don't have time to really think about who you are and where you are and uh, establishing that people love you and will take care of you. Mm. And so that probably had an effect on him. One of his four brothers died at the age of six. So usually the oldest kid is like responsible. Yeah. Again, I don't know, but it's possible that Bill Cosby felt highly responsible for his younger brother dying. And also just the loss of your brother just dying. It's gotta be horrible for him and his mother. As a very young boy, Bill learned to captivate his family by telling entertaining stories and by stretching the truth to make people laugh. Mm. Uh, one of his early teachers said that he would either be an actor or a lawyer because he, li- <laughs> because he lies so well. Oh, interesting. So he wasn't just a good performer, but he was also a good liar. Good liar. Uh, you know, probably because of lack of parenting, lack in, you know, a need to survive. Right. And so he was so he was good at lying. And actually now that I think about it, that was such a key ingredient in his sense of humor. The the big stories, you know, like the mm-hmm. the the yeah, that's interesting. Right. Like as we go through a story, you can see a, a clear through line yeah. of essentially lying and getting attention. Yeah. Um so this is when he starts getting his identity as a storyteller. He's a latchkey kid at this point. Again, more abandonment because his yeah. mom's working, his dad's gone. And Where so, does that ex- the expression come from again? You have a key that uh-huh. you open your door. I assume it's, it means that you... You know, you're come home from school and you have a... You, you, oh, I see. Right. Like right, when right, I was right, a kid, right. I did, I never right. owned a key to my house. Right. Because my parents... was always there. Yeah. my Well, my parents were yeah. always home, my, yeah. particularly my mom. And so 
I never needed a key to my house where I had friends that had keys to their house. Uh In fact, we lived in such a safe neighborhood that no one in our house had a key. (laughs) Like my parents, like we would leave for, you know, vacation. We wouldn't lock the house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so... Again, latchkey kid, uh, more abandonment. That makes me laugh. I imagine us like walking down the street with the house not locked, <laughs> like the, the the amount of panic that would set in. In today's in world. Bo- in Bogota. Oh, in Bogota. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that, again, I don't have any data on, but I would assume is racism. You know, we're talking late 30s. Totally. You know, early 40s. Yeah. Philadelphia. Uh, racism must have been present. Right. And must have been a massive factor of stress for a young Bill Cosby. So going into his teen years, he's very popular. He was class president. He was captain of the basketball team. He was oh. captain of the track team. What? He was the class clown. He was in plays, he acted in plays. So he was Mr. Hero from the get-go. Yeah. So again, when... So it's unclear, but... If I was to hypothesize, like if he was my client and yeah. he came into me, I'd be like, okay, alcoholic dad, abandonment, parentified, working mom, racism, maybe some abuse going, you know, and a kid who's doing perfect in school. Yeah. You know, everyone loves him. I'd be like, how much of a self has he developed? Mm. How much is he compensating for his low self esteem by being extremely driven? to be popular and good at these different things. Interesting. Um, and how important is it to him that everyone sees him as awesome so that he has a self? Uh. You know what I mean? Because when you lack a self, when you, when you are abused and when you have personality issues, you have a number of different options available to you. And since he had skills in this area, what he, the way he coped with it is by propping up this, this grandiose self, uh. seemingly. Um, it's unclear. So this. So now we're getting more into narcissistic personality sure. rather than sexual sadism or psychopathy. But um, you could say that the narcissism and psychopathy are related. He would later. Okay. So he he's written a number of books, but he recently wrote a book or published a book not too long ago. If I did it, yeah, it was a, well. So it's similar. Really? Yeah, but not as overt because. He, ta- he goes into his childhood and, and sexual uh-huh. development. Oh. So I'm going to read some passages. Oh, boy. Get ready for this S. Oh, are these like the song lyrics? <laughs> Here we go. Um, so there are four different things that I want to point to. One is that in his book, he talks about how there were good girls and there were bad girls. Uh-oh. Okay. So this plays into my main hypothesis about his personality, which I'll go into later. Quote, If a girl wandered onto the football field where I was playing, I might make knocking her down part of my fly pattern. Wait, what? For a girl was only an honorary human being. Wait, 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 he wrote this? Yeah. Hold on. So he's kind of admitting to his bad attitude towards girls when he was a teenager. He's saying that at the time, and presumably he's writing this pretending to be horrified about it or something i think so okay so it's like at not the time, horrified but like admitting that there was something well wrong so with it so or? here's my hypothesis about this book 
the allegations were coming out. I'm not sure about the, the chronology. The, okay. I, I think so. I think so. Or at least he was like maybe getting older in his years, and he's like, maybe I should provide some explanation to some of these victims, you know? Yeah. And I, because he seems to be pointedly, you know, like addressing how he developed such a bad attitude towards women. Yeah, you'd think a lawyer would have advised them, don't write that book. Yeah, yeah. So he's saying that his imp- his perception was a woman was only an honorary human. Yeah. Like honorary meaning like not really a human. And and a particularly like interesting phrase of, you know, if if a girl wandered onto the football field where I was playing, I might just knock her down because I felt like it. It's like that's Interesting. And knocking down a woman on the football field, how, right. so how that, much more dangerous could you get? Well, so that's a sadistic act. Yeah. It's like this desire for harming people, right? Like he was probably well over six feet, padded up, and he's thinking, oh, it makes sense for me to ram into some girl. Yeah, wouldn't that feel good? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, that is That alone right there paints... A crazy picture. Yeah. Well, let's get into some more things here. Number two, he wrote about pressing himself against various girls at a party at the age of 13. Quote, I had stumbled upon one of life's ancient dilemmas. Did I want a home and a family or 50 years of good pressing? Good pressing? So, 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 so in wait, this... Wait, 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 wait. Okay, go ahead. So he, you know, I stumbled upon one of life's ancient dilemmas. Do I want a home and a family with a nice woman Uh and no sex, essentially is what he's saying, or 50 years of good pressing? So meaning the trade-off is you could either have like a a good woman and not have sexual satisfaction, or you can go for these quote-unquote bad girls and have good pressing the rest of your life. Right. And he writes about pressing himself against girls at parties when he's he's 13. So it, you know... Wrote in it, written in a certain way, you could be like, "Well, it's innocent thirteen-year-old experimentation." Written in, it looked at it in a different way. You could be like, "He was a burgeoning rapist," because that's right. that's actually one of the things that that burgeoning rapists will do. Okay, is they'll start with like, you know, uh, these shall we say minor invasions? You okay, know what I mean, yeah. So I had this problem when I was uh, a kid, right around. I don't know what age, but maybe 12. Uh, and I call it a problem now because I've realized, oh my gosh, and I wish I could apologize to this. I had these three girl friends. They were girls in my class. We were very good friends. We talked all the time. We were very friendly. And I remember whenever there was like, not whenever, but often, a few more than a few times it happened where, like, you know how a teacher would sometimes put all the tests on that, that they had graded on the table and then everyone would kind of like rush the table to see to get their their test back. So when that happens, all the kids kind of gather around around the table. And I remember distinctly like positioning myself behind one of these girls and like rubbing my pelvis against like rubbing How old were you? I think maybe like 12. And for those who haven't heard other ep- episodes, you were sexually abused when you, yes, when when I was you were five. young, and so yeah. you were acting that yeah, out. Yeah, five and six, I guess. And so, it, but, but in my mind, I, I, I can't tell you the mental process going on because I just thought, oh, I'm here. There's a butt in front of me, and this is one of my friends, so I should probably rub up against it, <laughs> which is like – so, and they never said anything about it, 
and I never said anything about it. And then the behavior stopped by the time I was probably 13. Like the next year of school, I certainly wasn't doing this kind of stuff. And I don't remember exactly what age it was, but it was certainly, it wasn't, it was when I was becoming aware of my sexuality and all these kinds of things. And yeah, so anyways, there's that. (laughs) Right. So it's possible that Bill Cosby was sexually abused when he was young. Uh There's no evidence of that that I found. And he's pretty tight lipped about his childhood. And he actually reacts really badly when he's asked about his childhood. So um, we just don't know. But there seem to be a lot of vectors of evidence pointing at that dark spot in his history. Number three, he wrote about luring unwilling girls into being with him. Quote, Sometimes I manage to lure one of them outside to sit with me in a car for a little kissing and rubbing. Most of the other girls I managed to lure away from the crowd just sat there like statues, hoping that this moment would pass and they could get on with their lives. Again, it, right. if, if he was just a regular guy, you'd be like, oh, that's an interesting little, you know, dark area of your right, right, right. teenage years. But when you think about Bill Cosby, you're, you're like, it, he's already luring right. uh, people when he's a teenager. And he's writing, it's clear from the way he's writing that he assumes that women don't want to do this. Mm. Oh, I see. Right. It's, that's interesting. Because it's not just, oh, well, they, they probably, she's probably interested in me, but I just need to like get her away from the crowd. It's like, I want to do this. And they're if, almost because they're not interested, or, or at least it doesn't bother me that they're well, not interested. So my, my hypothesis is that he, he comes from a time and a place or a world where women and sex, women aren't supposed to like sex. I see. And so... I think that's part of his condition, actually. And okay. so you can you can kind of hear that in this. And not only you can hear that, but you can also... Because he doesn't say like... And, you know, there were some... There was a couple girls who liked doing it, you know? Right. Sometimes I managed to lure one of them outside to sit with me in a car for a little kissing and rubbing. This is all stuff he wrote. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Most yeah. of the other girls I managed to lure away from the crowd just sat there like statues, mm. hoping, you know, the time would pass. So again statues so he's he's pointing towards these inanimate objects right and it and nowhere does it say and i felt like shit you know what i mean it's just like well that's what you do you try to lure them out and they're terrified but you know you you try to you do stuff to them, right right you know hoping that this moment would pass and they could get on with their lives oh interesting he he was he's describing sexual assault right but it's interesting how it takes so many different facets like for example for me, my my MO, if you will, was I definitely thought of, okay, I need I need to establish some privacy because when I was sexually abused, there was privacy. So that was one thing, right? But the privacy could have been just because no one's looking. It's kind of weird, right? And number two, but but the flip side is I always assumed that the other person was into it. I just assumed that. Okay. Which is kind of like a different flip. Right. Right. So for you, you didn't have a uh, sadistic uh, fetish. I just had a misunderstanding about boundaries and what people would find acceptable or what would be acceptable. Right, right. Um, Number four, the final one, he wrote about women as objects, as he already has been doing, but a quote here. 
Women should come with directions. Oh, you, my God. You just never know where and when to bite, blow, kiss, pat, or rub. At least he didn't say hit, but he did say... So, yeah. it, again, if he was the Bill Cosby of old and you read this, you would think, oh, he's just being funny or, you know, or uh, it sounds a little creepy. Sure. But it's like knowing what we know about him, you know, you just never know where to where and when to bite, blow, kiss, pat, and rub. I mean, that, that comment, okay, that comment, yeah, you're right. Like, if this was just like some old-timey comedian, it's like, yeah, okay, that, that seemed to be a common conception in the old days. Like, you know, the woman's orgasm is a mystery. Women, Most women don't even have an orgasm. Right. So, like, I could see that, right? But, but now knowing what we know, it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> right. Essentially, what we're seeing here in these quotes, and there are others, but these are the ones I wanted to highlight, is that he sees women as objects. Right. He sees them as unwilling to want to have sex. He seems to enjoy or consider it his mission to lure them or trick them into having sexual, sexual encounters with him. And if they just lie there like statues because right. they're just waiting for it to be over, that doesn't bother him. And it's, when it's he's... It's more like a... He, he says it's sort of like a... I, I take it a little bit of like... Eh. It's a nuisance, but it's not. He's not going to stop. It's right. Just, yeah. There's no interest in like talking to the right. girl, uh, wanting to know what she, you know. Women don't come with directions. Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> you just fucking <laughs> you ask, ask them. them. <laughs> they have. Right. They come. They come loaded with their own operating right. system. Well, and the implication there is like, look, who knows what they want? And certainly, I don't seem to be able to give them pleasure. Yeah. Right. Like, but who cares? Like, right. <laughs> it's like, how about you could ask them? Right. Yeah. You know? um, but again, because I, th- so I, I think another part of this is again, total speculation is that he must have grown up in an extremely sexual shaming in- environment mm. so much so that he, he has a fairly immature idea of what sex is. Yeah. You know, you talk to 16 year olds who are immature, you know, they might actually kind of talk like this. Right. You talk to, you know, a 45-year-old man, he's going to be like, well, you know, just ask the woman, right. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah, I've, I've asked several different women this and that, and I've learned this right. and that. It's not, it's not hard, you know. Um, the other thing you hear in his quotes is that he actually uh, has aggression towards women, you know. If a woman walk, girl walked out of the field, I, yeah, would just that's, run, that's, I would just run her over. That's, that one's crazy. That's and, just, and again, the other one we see is the Madonna whore thing where it's like, uh, it's a dilemma. Do I want a nice woman in a home or do I want 50 years of good pressing? You know what I mean? It's like very revealing. Okay, so let's review what we know so far about his personality development, which, you know, would have developed pretty, uh, you know, mostly up until, you know, thoroughly up until his teenage years. Number one, lots of stress to the family. Two, right. poverty. Three, dad gone most of the time. These are just the things we know, right? right? We don't, we could speculate about sexual abuse and even physical abuse, but anyway. Number four, perhaps worries about his dad dying in World War II. Five, alcoholic dad. Six, oldest and parentified. Seven, racism for sure. Eight, younger brother died. Maybe he thought he was to blame. Nine, latchkey and abandonment. Ten, a need to be the center of attention to get, to get love and attention in a narcissistic manner. And eleven, massive amounts of rage. So I haven't highlighted this yet, but you know I highlighted the the aggression. But you can you you can hear it, and we definitely see it later on. He sounds like uh, 
he would be posting on one of those incel post threads or something. That's interesting. The, yeah. the dating sites. God, don't even get me started on those people. But I mean, doesn't he sound like, yeah. who knows? I mean, they should come with their own manual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he'd probably be posting tips on how to sneak a peek and how to do this and that and the other thing. Yeah. So lots of abandonment. Uh, you know, abandoned by dad, mom's gone a lot, uh, brother died, you know, community is just a lot of abandonment, which results in low self-esteem, distress, uh, distrust of attachments, compromised empathy, and a need for some way of coping. And his family socialized him to be narcissistic, and he also sort of resorted to psychopathy. Um, okay, so... That's what we can say about his personality. There's a lot of factors there. Now, what about the development of his paraphilia? It's really hard to tell. Right. You know, why would he develop this sexual sadism? Um, because he could have just been a psychopath, right? Sure. Or he could have just been narcissistic or something. But, you know, he, he, has, a, he has a paraphilia. It's very particular, sexual sadism. And, you know, I, I have no idea, and I just have to speculate completely with regards to this. But I, I have some... Based on his quotes and based on his life, I have some ideas. Um, so uh, let's look at some of the factors here. Uh, one, there's three different main factors I want to look at. One is, is that there was massive sexism at the time. Just yeah. tremendous yeah. sexism. I mean, this is before Mad Men. <laughs> right. This is the 30s and the 40s. Yeah. Uh, women were objects. and Could they, When was the voting passed? Like 20s, 10s? Okay, so it, just, it had just been like, all right, I guess you can vote. Right. And it was completely okay to trick girls into having sex. It was a very common belief uh, back then. In fact, I'm old enough to remember that kind of being a thing too. Yeah. Like I remember in the 70s and 80s, um, it wasn't prevalent, but I remember... Like in college, maybe, I remember there was sort of a, a sentiment that some people had of just like, well, uh, if she gets real drunk, then, you See know. See if I can get lucky. Right. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and uh, so you, you sort of wind the tape back to the 30s and 40s, oh, and yeah. it's probably even worse, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing that what happened was, so he has a tremendous amount of rage for, for his, for whatever reason. Right. Tremendous amount of narcissism, psychopathy, and sexual bifurcation between the Madonna and the whore. Right. And what I'm guessing is at some point in his early life, he either came across a very drunk girl or someone who was on drugs. And we're talking like the 60s, you know, yeah. 50s, 60s, when quaaludes were, people just took them recreationally. Mm-hmm. Or he even drugged someone. He's just like, I, I want to I I see what this does. Or maybe he had a friend or something. Sure. Who knows? But my guess is, is that at some point he had some kind of like euphoric experience about this. Mm-hmm. And it satisfied so many of his needs. You know, it was just like, wait, you just drug a girl and like you can do whatever you want to her. And it, you just, oh, you know, it just feels so good. And I'm guessing that it kind of... You, you hear that kind of progression in people, you know, when you learn about Jeffrey Dahmer or right. Ted Bundy. It's, there's usually a, some some exhilarating rush uh, that satisfies their sadism that, you know, is bloodlust kind of a thing that sort yeah. of takes over. Um, uh, so, so, anyway, sexism. 
Also, sexual shame. I'm guessing that he experienced significant sexual shame as a child. No way to know. But this is often a case for people who have deviations like this. I've treated people, not many, who have had deviations sexually like him. And uh, the universal quality of all these guys is they just had tremendous sexual shame growing up. How does that manifest? Like, what's the... Why, why does it happen? What is it like? Uh, for the children or for, for the, the adult? children? So you have... Uh, Odd sexual things like you might have a father who likes to watch pornography out in the open mm. and the kid will maybe come across the pornography and the mom will just just go uh. ape shit on the kid for looking at it because she wants to control the, right. the dad or something. Or you have a family where um, boys' sexuality is considered particularly gross. Okay. And maybe the men, the father and the mother are particularly like, um, you know, you better not be in that bathroom for too long. Or, you oh, know, okay, okay, okay. Just right, right. Uh, really yeah. harsh, angry, yeah. un- understanding kinds of messages. I wonder if there's some cultural min base level of that in in some cultures because of yeah. like in, in in well every culture probably. right like in the catholic uh religion right it, it, where i grew up essentially it definitely seemed like uh it was shameful sex was a shameful thing right and guess how many people have problems with sex right most people <laughs> right <laughs> you know like how many people have problems eating spaghetti not that many people <laughs> Having sex is more natural than eating spaghetti. Yeah. Um, the other thing is... is <laughs> That's a good point. Other thing is, is being a black man, sexuality is extremely fraught with problems of racism and sexual right. shame in our society. So him growing up in the 40s and 50s, uh, being a, a sexual person like anybody else, right? Uh, in, you know, and being around a lot of white women, uh, it must have been quite an experience for him. Uh, internalized racism, internalized sexual shame. So when you have tremendous shame around sex, you develop complexes around sex. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't just enact your normal um, needs. You can't right. just say like, ooh, I want to have sex. How do I integrate that healthfully into my life? It's right. like everything becomes sort of uh, broken off and split off into different areas. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but so this leads me to my main hypothesis, which is what... Freud would talk about the Madonna whore complex. Total speculation. I have no idea. I'm really kind of speculating here quite a bit. You know, I know that he was abandoned as a kid. I know he went through difficulty as a kid. But the Madonna whore thing, uh, just piecing together his behavior is it seems to work that way. Because, you know, he, he's been married and he, he apparently has a good relationship with his wife. Unknown. Yeah, she could right. be a... She could come out later and say he was a monster at home, which I'm guessing he was kind of at least. But... um you know, he had a very clean cut side to him. Yeah. Uh, his, his, there are a lot of people who loved him. And, right. you know, when the stories came out, they're like, he never would do something like that. Right, right, right. Like, you know, people on the Cosby show were just like, there's no way he would do something like that. Um, and then on the other side, he just has this horrific, horrible behavior. So he might have developed a very odd attachment with his mother when he was young. Okay. Um, Two, I've seen this before in kids and adults. They'll have two opposing forces. So on one hand, this is classic object relations, by the way. On one hand, as a kid, you absolutely need to have your mother 
or your parents, but for him, since his dad was gone, he needed his mother to be good, mm-hmm. all good, and all powerful. Oh, okay. And all loving. Pure as snow. Because without that, you feel afraid because you don't have you don't have that. You want mm-hmm. every every kid wants their mother to be perfect and good and powerful and there for you and and nice and respectable right. and you know. Um, but on the other hand, he had tremendous amount of reasons to hate her. Right. I mean, you know, or hate his parents. Sure. Abandonment, being parentified, having to shine shoes, uh, latchkey kid. Yeah. So uh, not even because of her fault or whatever. It's just like because of the circumstances, let alone if she was being bad or something. He just had a lot of reasons to be resentful inside. Right. And young kids will target their their parent that's closest to them with that rage. It's a common conundrum for single mothers mm-hmm. who have, you know, the fathers of the kids will just be these deadbeats. Right. And the mother will incur all the rage of the kid. And then right. the deadbeat father will come around. Daddy! Yeah. Because kids need to dump their anger somewhere. Right. And they're only going to do it to someone that they believe will not leave them. They think the father's going to leave them. So they actually don't express that rage to them. But they are fairly sure the mom's not going to leave them. So they'll, they'll just channel oh, all their right. rage because they have to, it has to go somewhere. Right. It can go toward themselves or towards other people. And it looked like Bill Cosby, you know, did it to other people. And so I think that, you know, this is all to some extent psychobabble, but he developed this split off um, libidinal energy is what we call it Mm. in terms of like this, this need for love and affection. He split off his mom into two different moms. This is like the good breasts and the bad breasts about, about what uh, Melanie Klein talked about. Uh, It's a coping mechanism psychodynamically with a difficult situation. Okay. So he has two opposing forces in his, in his, in his psyche. Now what, Every young child will go through this. You, you'll actually yeah. see this in young, young children. Again, classic object relations. The kid will, you know, love you and need you. You know, they're, they're a year and a half, two yeah. and a half years old. You're the best. I love you. You tell them it's nap time and they, you nah! suck. And they start hitting you. Um, they swing from complete right. uh, adoration of you to wishing you were dead. Right. <laughs> and if they had a gun, they'd shoot you in the head. You right. know, like, because they're so immature, they don't have the capacity that they develop later on as you go through life with good parenting and good attachment. You start to gray the zone. My dad is mostly good. Right. But sometimes he's a dick. <laughs> you know, that's that's the reality that development and object relations right. provides. When you have complications in your development, you never integrate those two, mm-hmm. and you split off and you keep them in different camps in your mind. You gotta keep them mind. separated. Right, yeah. And so, um, hey, 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 you, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, 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 you gotta keep them separated. <laughs> if anyone gets these jokes. Um, so... <clears throat> So he has these two forces in his, in, his, in his psyche, and it's causing a lot of internal strife and pain because as he approaches his mother, he experiences that rub, and it's very hard for him. As he goes out into the world and starts experiencing girls, and he starts to transfer his relationship with his mom and maybe his dad onto, onto these girls, 
he has a lot of complicated feelings. Different kind of rub. Right. On one hand, he wants an attachment, probably more than his classmates because he's never really had it. Right. And so he, he really wants a girlfriend. But at the same time, he has this opposing force of wanting to run over girls and hurt them. Yeah. And, may, and, and maybe even sexually harm them, you know, right. um, which, you know, is sort of like the base level harm that you could do to a sex or to a romantic partner. So he develops this extremely bifurcated relationship with women. You got the mothers, the wives, the pure, the all good. And you have these subhumans, horrible people who deserve to be harmed, you know, they, not only do you have tremendous amount of rage and aggression and wanting to get revenge on women, but you also feel like they deserve it. They deserve what they get. You know what I mean? Yep. So he's basically channeling all that stuff in very unhealthy ways. Right. So 1956 enlists in the Navy. He was a hospital corpsman. I don't Go, think I knew that. Yeah. Goes to college. Is uh, that during one of the wars? Like, is Korea, that Korea? Korean? I mean, Korea occupation, anyway. Okay. So um, you would have been MASH. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, college, he went to Temple University. He got a scholarship for track. And he also played fullback, fullback on the football team, which is... Oh, I thought you were going to say some sport I'd never heard of. Fullback. <laughs> yeah. He was a fullback player. Uh, I played fullback in in high school. That was my uh, offensive. What does that do? What is that? You're the you're so there's you in in classic football. You have two running backs. Do you know that much? People who run the ball. Yeah, back. But usually there's two of them. So you got the quarterback. You know the sure, quarterback. Sure. Well, you have the fullback and the tailback. And <gasps> oh, I never <laughs> quarterback fullback. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't make a lot of sense because fullback is actually not as far back as the tailback. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, uh, the fullback is usually sort of the brute um, of the running backs, usually lead blocker or short gains. Okay. But they can also be uh, tailbacks. Are and you were a tall kid. Yeah, I was, a tall, I was a tall big kid, yeah. yeah. And I used to play line, so I, I knew how to block, and so fullback. I liked fullback. Um Plus, I wasn't as fast as the other running backs on my team. So okay, so that anyway, well, um, so you were the same as he—he he was fullback as well. Yeah, you and Cosby are the same people. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, he would memorize Jerry Lewis and Jack Benny routines and perform them for his friends because this is more of him entertaining mm. people. Uh, Nineteen sixty-one, he became a comedian, started doing stand-up, and. In New York City, he appeared at the Gaslight Cafe. Oh, wow. What a name. Oh, no. Because was that a meaning already back then? No. Uh, the Gaslighting, Gaslight, the movie was before that, but I don't okay. think we developed it into a okay. cultural meme until later. <laughs> um, he did well as a comedian. He was a real natural comedian. And he didn't talk much about race. He never really talked about race. Right. Which was similar to, and so African Americans would criticize Bill Cosby in the same way that they would criticize O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started touring, and he became he became famous. Nineteen sixty three. He's on the Tonight Show. I actually watched that today. Uh, it's still funny. And when you're on the Tonight Show, you become even more famous. Yeah. Because he he killed seemingly. 
Huge springboard. 1964, he started uh, recording records, and he recorded records uh, throughout his uh, main chunk of his career. And he won Grammys, several Grammy Awards. That's so funny. Like, Does that still happen? Are there comedy records still? I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, and he became even more famous. Now, so this is getting to the stuff that you probably don't know about, that I didn't know about. Behind the scenes, he was a massive Harvey Weinstein. Mm. He sucker-punched comedian Tommy Smothers from the Smothers Brothers over a, per- over a perceived slight. So can you imagine that, like, just sucker punching someone over? I see. So you when you mean Harvey Weinstein, you don't just mean about the women stuff. He was like a a jerk, a dick. Yeah, like a abusive, controlling, psychopathic, horrible human being. Uh, When people bothered him, he would quickly threaten their careers and their lives, what, and their livelihoods. So multiple accounts of which totally boggles the mind. It does when you think about his public persona and all that that entails. And then you think about him behind the scenes, just berating people and threatening people. So, cause he would threaten his victims too. Right. Yeah. So he had, I, I would imagine there were probably thousands of instances where he threatened people. It's like, if you know, like That's crazy, you can kind of sense it actually. Well, anyway, the point is, is that, um, he, so he's doing all this. So that okay. So that's interesting because yeah, I, di- I didn't know these parts. He's actually it's a whole picture we're painting here. Right. It's easy to, especially if you're shrewd and a narcissist, to paint a picture to the public. Yeah. Particularly if you threaten people around you to keep quiet about various right. different things. And one of the things that he didn't react well to was when people asked him questions that might demean him in some way. You know oh, what I mean? It's, and then, or like would do something to make him look bad. He would, he would threaten their lives. And the thing that uh, I want to remind people of our generation and tell people of the younger generation was that uh, it's hard to imagine how much power Bill Cosby had for many years of his life. That's right. a major element of right. this story. Well, and one thing is, so unlike nowadays... Back then, let's say you knew some dirt on Bill Cosby. Like he yelled at you or did something or one of your friends or something. Like what did you do with that? Right. In all likelihood, you're working in the show in show business. Right. And you don't have as much power as Bill Cosby. Can you tweet about it? Right. You can't. Well, but but even if you could, because, you know, we had the internet. Sure. Uh, you know, anyway, the point is, is that, um, yes, you're right in that. Communication I mean, I, I guess was saying, it was harder, but it right. was, but it, it was harder to you know. Do you go to a so you'd have to go to the press? Like I think Me Too could have never happened and didn't happen before these tools. Yeah, exactly, because the press was patriarchal, right. and the press also had you know different um, journalists also had fear of Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby could legitimately ruin your life. Right, so. You're a production assistant on The Cosby Show, and he threatens your life right. <laughs> because he, he, you, know, you pissed him off. Well, you talk about it. He legitimately could ruin your career. He could get you fired from that job. He right. could blackball you for the rest of your you, career. You got to pick a new profession in a different town. Right. <laughs> no question. Right. 
And how many people are going to believe you? <laughs> like, no one's going to believe you. You're like, you're the asshole. Cosby? Come yeah. on. It's like going and being like, you, Mr. Rogers is, is yelling obscenities at yeah. me. <laughs> Which never happened, by the way. No, no. He, just was, to be clear. he was a true. Yeah. True hero. Uh, true saint. Modern day saint. So what we see here is confirmation that this is a personality through and through. That he was psychopathic and narcissistic through and through. And seemingly had no remorse about any of this stuff. I'm sure there are lots of stories of him being a nice guy, and, you know, that's great. But, you know, to be able to do this kind of thing, like Mr. Rogers, for example, I'm sure people pissed him off all the time, and he didn't do this kind of thing. Um, Because I think that in our society, sometimes we paint a picture like, well, when you have tremendous power, you got to be a dick sometimes. And it's like, no, no you don't. Uh, Well, there's still a big difference between... Yeah, sometimes you just got to let someone know how you feel and you have to ruin their career, berate them personally or hit them or abuse them or rape them. Like, no, 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 no. 1965, uh, the first black actor to star in a primetime TV show, I Spy. Oh, wait, what? He was the first. First. Wow. In a primetime TV show. That's crazy. Yeah. And he was super cool. The black community loved him. And imagine that, 1965. Role model, hero, absolutely. Yeah, he won three Emmys over three years for Outstanding Lead Actor. Um, Again, I remember watching reruns as a kid. I remember being really wigged out at how subdued he was in that show. So so it's interesting, because obviously there had been actors that had broken through in Hollywood movies, but TV was still so white. Yeah. Except for that Asian guy in the Kung Fu series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, David Carradine. Green. Oh, you're th- Kung Fu. That's the 70s. Oh, yeah, sure. But I'm saying even he was white. <laughs> but there was Green Lantern before, or Green, not Green. Well, at least Hornet. Green Hornet. At least he was. Green Hornet? That was Bruce Lee, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, more comedy records, massive fame. Many black people looked up to him. Richard Pryor looked up to him. Um, now, here we have our first earliest known rape. Christina Rooley has accused Bill Cosby of drugging and assaulting her in Los Angeles. She didn't speak about it until 2005 when she came forward in the Andrea Constand case, which we'll get into later. Now, is um, was she? How did she know Cosby? Like, what was the deal? Um, I I, I didn't write it down. Oh, okay. It's it's often like the the stories were often like he would actually just walk up to women sometimes because he went to a lot of parties. Uh-huh. A lot of them at the Playboy Mansion, actually, in LA. Okay. Um, or they would be women who worked with him or they would be women who would approach him for like help with the career or something. Right. Or even sometimes he'd be dating them and he would drug them. Yeah. Oh, like, wow. so, like with some of the women, they were having a consensual relationship, <laughs> sexual relationship, and then one day he just drugs them. That's you know what crazy. I mean? crazy. Yeah. So that tells you, like, yeah. there's something wrong with this guy, you know? I mean, not that you didn't know already. Um, also around this time, Sonny Wells. Oh, cl- sorry. But, but again, it, it, the reason that comment is important is because, like, when this first came out, as I said, I was like, no, there's no way. Later, when it, like, okay, I guess there is a way, part of me thought, I didn't have all the info, so part of me thought, okay, so he is kind of, like, sounds like he's a monster. But in my mind, I was imagining it like, 
like what I was saying earlier, like, I don't know, that's what you do. You just slip a roofie in their drink, right? Like, I thought that's the thing. No, no, no. This is way more, like, there's way more to this. There's way more layers. It's more nefarious. It's Right. And I don't know if this is what you're saying, but for some people, they're like, well, okay, I'll slip her a roofie and she'll get, she'll just get a little bit more drunk and she'll be a little bit more loose. You know what I mean? Um, Not completely unconscious, which was a lot of the time. Anyway, around this time, not to say that I'm condoning, of course, you know, slipping people roofies. It's an awful one. It's one of the most, in fact, you know, eventually, well, anyway. Well, I should say my, my uncle was drugged when I was a kid. He was in some club and he was given uh, something called Burundanga, which I think is like uh, an escopolamine or something. Like, anyways, it, he he left the club already feeling weird, and he basically got so bad that he crashed his car and it fell off of a ravine, and he nearly died. Why did they drug him? Uh, probably they were trying to rob him or steal his car or who knows, you yeah. know. Also around this time, Sonny Wales in the mid-60s claims that Cosby offered her drinks at a jazz club. Then she remembers waking up naked the next day. She was unsure what happened, and she was silent until just a few years ago. So imagine that, like 50 years, just not just... um, And it's not like, oh my God, I got so drunk, and then I kind of passed... No, it's like, I was having drinks. And then I don't know what happens. Well, so... And I am, like, naked. Yeah, so a lot of these women were uh, doing things that were not very ladylike at the time. Sure. And Cosby might have known that. It's like, well, if you're going to go to the cops, what are you going to say? Well, I was I was drinking at a jazz club. Sure. And then I woke up, and I don't remember what happened. It's like, well, come on, lady. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're a slut. You shouldn't yeah. have been doing that. Anyway. But I guess, yeah, totally. And I'm also saying... So me, in my life, in my past, I had a couple of instances where I drank so much that I blacked out at some point in the night. And the next day or next morning, there there was a piece of the night that went missing for me. Right. right? But it never, it was never like, I don't know what happened. No, it's like, I know exactly what happened. I was consuming vast amounts of alcohol and I passed out. Right. As opposed to, I was at a club, I was having a couple of drinks. The next thing I know, my kidney is missing. You know, like that, that is such an extreme, like... Yeah, and with, as we go through these stories, you can see that, which was off, which often is the case, there's a sort of progression to the uh, bravery that Bill Cosby was doing these things. You know, it's one thing to drug a girl who's already drinking, right? It's another thing in later stories you'll see, he, he just like, he just like forces drinks on people. to drink this, you oh, know wow. what I mean? Like they're, they're not, they're not even drinking. It's like right, two in the afternoon. Right. 1967, Carla Ferrigno, she alleges that Bill Cosby forced, forcefully kissed her. Uh, this is So she's not drugged this time. So this okay. case lends itself to, it's not just drugging, it's sure. he actually just wants to rape people. And he repeatedly attempt her, t- attempted to get her to have a drink before she insisted on leaving his house. She was silent about this until 2014. So again, he's just like, have a drink, have right. a drink. She's like, right. no, no. Um, 1969, Joan Tarshish. She claims that Bill Cosby mixed her a drink while they were working together, and she awoke to Bill Cosby raping her. Oh, oh my God. She told her story to a reporter uh, 15 years later in the 80s, 
and the reporter declined to publish it. Ugh. She's one of the only victims who reported it to someone. See, that's what we were talking about. Like, she reported it. Yeah. And yet, guess what happened? Nothing. Linda Brown, she claimed that Bill Cosby offered her a soda. Then she woke up naked as, oh. as Cosby began to rape her. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, I had so many drinks last night. I had soda. Yeah. And he gave it to her. But the way she described it, she's like, he was raping me like I was a real life blow up doll. My God. So again, it's just that's just part of the thing. Yeah. She was silent till 2015. Cinder Ladd, she claims that uh, she was complaining of a headache. Bill Cosby offered her a pill, said, hey, take this for your headache. And she woke up naked with Bill Cosby standing nearby in a robe. Um, and later on, she developed into a respected philanthropist and powerful media executive. And she became a noteworthy counterbalance to the critics who claimed that the accusers were just seeking money or fame. Right. She came forward. She was silent until 2015. You know, it occurs to me that in a different era or something, he could have maybe been a murderer because, like, I, I guess the women were lucky that he had drugs because if he needed to be have these inanimate objects, right, others kill, <laughs> right. but he just drugged. Yeah, it is actually kind of an, an interesting element to the story of he fits the profile of someone who would have developed into a murderer. Right. But he didn't, right. apparently. And it's... It, it, it sounded like he didn't need to because, you know, I don't know if, what the mental calculus would have been because if he didn't have a philia around the mur- murder part, right? Yeah. If it was really just like the the victim has no control and he was getting away with it with the drugging. Right. Like, don't, yeah. don't break it if it's not broken. Right. And again, that's why I'm going over these stories. I'm only talking about some of them, but I'm... but I. You know, I'm sort of repetitively going over these stories because it helps to understand not only his M.O., but also just how relentless it was for so many decades. Yikes. Uh, 1970s. He admitted in 2015 during a deposition, it's sort of complicated, but he basically admitted under oath, and we ended up getting uh, hit lawyers for someone uh, of an opposing team got access to this. And this is why I think he, he actually might be suffering from dementia in his, in his old age, because mm. he, he admitted uh, under deposition that he handed quaaludes out like candy. Oh, his, I, don't remember, I remember this. Yeah, like candy like in the candy 70s. In He's the like, 70s. yeah, I handed out quaaludes uh, uh, with whom, to women with whom he wanted to have sex with. But again, so that one makes it sound closer to the other part, which is like, I was doing it. You just hand a quaalude. You have sex. What's the problem? Right. Which, okay, maybe it was more prevalent in the 70s, but it definitely wasn't the norm. No. You know? <laughs> um, so, uh, but Roman Polanski did this to a 13-year-old girl. What? Know? That was a quaalude thing? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. And he raped her, too. So it wasn't. It, you know, Bill Cosby wasn't the only famous person that did I thought that was just like a relationship he had with a 13-year-old. He drugged her? Wow. From what I understand. Okay. Um, so I'm not, sh- again, I'm not quite sure why he admitted to this a few years ago. Um, you know, dementia or, you know, it also could be narcissism, you know, in that, yeah. in his book. Uh, narcissists will, like O.J. Simpson, for example, 
they just can't help themselves. Yeah. They just have to ex- express themselves. And so it's sometimes they shoot themselves. I know in the someone foot. like that. <laughs> uh, Tamara Green, she was feeling ill one day while working at Bill Cosby's restaurant. Bill Cos- he had a restaurant? Yeah. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. In LA, I believe. What kind of food? Soul food? Uh, Italian? Oh, Italian? I don't know. That's don't, shocking. I don't know. Bill Cosby allegedly offered her a quote unquote decongestant. Then drove her to his house where he attempted to rape her. Decongestant. She alleges that she was conscious enough to fight back, and she was silent until 2005. Jeez. And again, we're we're in this we're we're still in the 70s, by the way. Jeez. So so he he's he's uh he uh, how old is he at this point? He's in his 30s, his late 30s. Um, Victoria Valentino. She claims that Bill Cosby offered her pills to make her feel better. He drove her to his home. He just carries these around. Yeah. She alleges Bill Cosby turned her over and raped her. Holy crap. She was silent until 1996. So this is so she actually came forward uh, before a lot of the other women that, did. Yeah. She told an interview who was making a documentary, and the interview was never published. Oh. Louisa wow. Moritz, she claims that Bill Cosby forced oral sex backstage at The Tonight Show. So this one involved no drugs. He just... Forced, he just raped a woman. Wow! In the back, imagine. So at this point, you're like, he's he. So you know, this is now probably at least ten years, maybe fifteen years into him getting away with raping women, and he's so brave about this, and so you know, doesn't care. He's like, I'll get away with anything. That he rapes a woman backstage at the Tonight Show. Wow. Without any drugs, just just grabs her and forces her to have sex. You know. Wow. So again, this is evidence that it's not just this somnophilia. This is a tr- <sighs> a true sexual sadist. That's right? crazy. Getting off on rape, and and he really just felt like probably like what? That's what I do. Right. Uh, which seems to be his attitude. He just seemed to walk away, just be like, and you know, he would either pay them off or he'd threaten them. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin you if you tell anybody about this. Therese Saren, Serenice, she claims that Bill Cosby gave her a quaalude and then raped her. Bill Cosby admitted under oath he made he made repeated payments to her after the incident. Wow. Although he assert, although he asserts, get this, that it was consensual. It's like, well, why were you making repeated? So that, so that was one of the things that he did. It, it seemingly, I think, what he did was he he would afterwards he would make this sort of mental calculation as to how much power that woman had, or how, with the likelihood she was going to come forward with it, or right. who would believe her. And with some women, he would just make a threat, or he would just walk away. I also wonder if he, if he f- seriously just misunderstood signals to that extreme, right? Because he already had that thing where he was saying like. <clears throat> Ah, uh, women should come with an instruction manual. So maybe he's so b- bad at understanding what's happening. He's like, well, she was talking to me, and then we were like sort of flirting. So I, of course, she wanted to give me a blowjob. Yeah. You know? Well, this one, he gave her a quaalude, so, you know. Yeah. Judith Huff, she alleges that when she was 15 years old, Bill Cosby masturbated himself with her hands. Because it was an alleged child sexual abuse case, the statute of limitations began when Huth realized the trauma as an adult. Oh, is that how it works? And, yeah, so it's one oh. of the it's one of the few cases that actually still has. Uh, I think it's actually one of two cases that he 
you know, faced criminal charges for. I didn't realize that. Uh, LAPD. <clears throat> right. So originally, you know, statute of limitations was such that, um, you know, which most of his cases, actually, the statute of limitations ran out. But um, for there were there for were statutes that were passed that said, well, you know, for some kids, the memory doesn't emerge until later. Right, and so, so how you, could they even? Right. Um, so the LP, LAPD investigated, uh, which resulted in, guess what? They did nothing. Yeah. And a civil case is currently underway. Wow. Uh, as, as of late 2018. Um, Bill Cosby was on the electric company. Do you remember this show? Oh, yeah. I love the... Hey, you guys! I'm surprised that you remember it because it was early 70s. But they were showing it... Well, yeah. Well, early 70s? Yeah. But it, it kept going through the 70s. So but I still, saw it... So I mean, because I, I barely remember it. Yeah. And you're five years younger than... Four years younger than me, right? So I watched it in, in New York and oh, probably in Massachusetts and probably in New York. And... And keep in mind what the episodes I was watching were the ones that started with, hey, you guys, instead of the original opening, which was more sedate. <laughs> right, right. And, and anyways, but yeah, I remember Spider-Man and I remember like all the little, it was sort of like a, a more aggressive Sesame Street. You know? Right. It was basically like Sesame Street with, uh, with, with, because uh, they had a little neighborhood. Yeah. And Bill Cosby and Morgan Freeman. Actually. Yeah, I remember Morgan Freeman. Well, I, yeah. I didn't. No, at the time. I've seen since yeah. YouTube videos, and I, and I was like, that's Morgan Freeman. Right. Uh, Marcella Tate, she claims that Bill Cosby offered her a drink during a party at the Playboy Manson, Mansion. She blacked out and woke up in a bed next to Bill Cosby, who was naked. She didn't come forward until 2015. I mean, a lot of these things, too, like, it, it was such a boys club world, right? Right. So, like, you'd be at the Playboy Mansion and, like, Dude, I totally got with that one. Really? Ah, she didn't want to, but you know. And like, which one of those guys is going to be like, well, you know, you shouldn't do that. Right. In fact, some of the women would say that afterwards they would go to yeah. some other people and, they, and they'd be like, shut the fuck up. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, because again, Bill Cosby has power. And so even if you were might even be on her side, you're just like, look, we have a, we have a sweet thing going here. Yeah. Don't ruin it, yeah. you know? Uh, Sharon Van Ert, she claims that Bill Cosby gave her something to drink while she was working at a jazz club. She alleges that Bill Cosby then began caressing her before she blacked out, and she woke up and realized her panties were missing. Oh, my God. She didn't come forward until 2015. So, again, I just want to point out, sort of reset here, and just understand, Bill Cosby at the time, in the 70s, huge fucking star. Emmy Awards, Grammy Awards, TV shows... You know, yeah. uh, he's on. He's a stand-up comic. He he's right. on. He's on Tonight Show. Da da da. He's thin. He's good looking. Don't think of Doctor Hux, Huxtable. Look at a picture of right. Bill Cosby, early seventies. Right. Let's remember he was the jock in high school. He was yeah, the star athlete. Yeah, pop popular dude. Right. He he got a scholarship for right. track. You know, uh, this was the seventies. This is in L.A. He could have had sex with so many right. women. And, and without any of this drama. <laughs> right. They probably, there are probably many women who just like walked up to him. Right. This is the 70s. This is when like right. sexual, rev this is when normal suburban parents went to see porn in the theater. Right. You know, so just put that into perspective and look at what he was doing. Yeah. You have to 
you know, you're going yeah. to that nasty hot dog across the street yeah. and you have a buffet of wonderfulness. You <laughs> it's know not even mean? hot. It is actual dog meat. <laughs> yeah. That means that you must really like raping people, yeah. you know, and he really liked Man. it. And so I'm just telling you the people who have come forward, you know, you got to figure like there's dozens upon dozens of other women around this time who obviously didn't come forward, you know? Yeah. Um, so again, my hypothesis about why he was doing these things was for sexual shame reasons, some kind of object relations issue with his, with his mother. He split off his attachments and sexuality so that he had one drive for a mother who was pure and wonderful and good and another drive towards an all-bad woman who right. is subhuman and deserves and should be harmed and had sex upon them. Honorary human. Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm looking at the pictures. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> he's, he's quite studly in the youth. Yeah. I mean... The youths. Yeah, and smooth. You know, like, again, Dr. Huxtable, you know, he's, he was a bit bigger than he had those funny sweaters and he had he had kind of a comical face right. but you look at him in 1967 and he was a, he was a hunk yeah. um 1976 he earns a doctorate in education from umass what yeah he's he doesn't i never he, knew that he, he has i think honorary doctorates but he has a legit doctorate uh and he did his dissertation on the on fat albert and how it helps education for kids oh okay skipping forward 1982 janice dickinson she claims that Bill Cosby had been following her career and invited her to his hotel immediately after she left drug rehab. She alleges wait, that wait, after she left after from, she left oh. drug rehab, she alleges that Bill Cosby gave her wine and a pill. So it's like you're back from you know. Hey, congrats! Yeah. You made it out of rehab here. <laughs> and she awoke to him raping her. Oh my god! Like that that whole thing. I awoke to him raping me. She, That's such a common part yeah. of this. She told her story in 2002 in her autobiography, but her publisher cut it for fear of being sued. Jesus. So, you know, we have, pe we have women that How are... How many times? They told it, they yeah. told it, it got cut, it never made the cut. Yeah. And, you know, you wonder why other women didn't come forward, you know? Yeah. 1983, Bill Cosby released the concert film Bill Cosby himself. Did you ever see this? No. This is his his masterpiece okay it's a live comedy show okay you know live comedy special it's you know in, akin to uh, delirious. Uh, delirious that kind of thing yeah and it's widely regarded as the greatest comedy concert film of all time wow like you know better than than delirious yeah. and stuff so wait wait a comedy concert film yeah right like, did it have music no no so it's, it's called that. it's like delirious yeah okay okay yeah yeah, they, I don't know. Back then, they called it a concert. <laughs> um, I remember the show. It's still funny. Yeah, it's a lot of funny dad stuff and a yeah. lot of his stories, right? It yeah. wasn't like jokes. It was these stories about his kids and about, right. you know. Um, and again, many comics looked up to him. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock. 1984 Cosby Show, eight seasons. That's a lot for back then, you know. Sure, yeah. A lot of shows would get killed after a while. Thursday nights, 8 p.m., I remember this. When did it start? Uh, 1984. 84, okay. Uh, what a, so Thursday night, 8 p.m., had this awesome lineup. You know, that was always okay. NBC's thing, right? It was always like uh, Thursday, sure. Thursday night, because that, that's when Wasn't Seinfeld... Wasn't Dukes of Hazard on... Oh, no, that was 
Friday? Saturday. Well, I was thinking East Coast too, so I don't even know. This oh. was, uh, and this would have been like 1980. But anyway, so, so what early. other shows were on after? So the Cosby Show was it? It launched Thursday night. Thursday night. Mu- must see TV. Gosh, you I don't know. Eighty four. Yeah. Some cop show. Uh, yeah, Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues. I loved Hill Street Blues. That was the last one. I, I never watched oh. it. It was it was too adult for me. I loved it. Yeah, I, I never. It was always over my head, but I loved it mostly because the intro music was so nice. <laughs> so you had Cosby Show, then you had Family Ties. Family Ties, of which course. was one of my favorite shows yeah. growing up, and then Cheers, which I never watched, but okay, and then Night Court. Night Court, nice. So, can you imagine that on a t- on a yeah, Thursday night? Crazy. You got Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, Night Court, and Hill Street Blues. It's funny. So, Night Court never made it to Columbia, but I watched it when I was when I moved up. It's a good rerun show. Yeah, that's that's funny, yeah. man. I like that. Yeah. Uh, the what was the other one? The uh, Cheers. The okay, Cheers never made it to Columbia. It was it was not a thing. It was like not popular. I never oh saw god, it. that was a phenomenon. And. Um, Yet the uh, the the shows that made it a lot of time were the trashier. Like, well, you talked about the the helicopter show. Yeah, totally. And you remember Riptide and all yeah, those yeah, shows? Yeah, yeah, like all those made it. Uh, it was the Cosby Show was the biggest hit in the 1980s. I didn't really realize this, but like the Cosby Show led the ratings for many years. That's crazy. And it's cited as basically uh, reinvigorating sitcoms. Wow. Like. <laughs> It's unclear if Family Ties or Cheers or Night Court would have done sure. well if they didn't have the draw that the Cosby Show did. So, 1987, looking at uh, the top ten TV shows, yeah, top ten rated TV shows, Cosby Show's number one. Can you can you name any of the other ones? 1987. 1987. Yeah. Um, let's see. 1987 was what grade? All right. So, Cosby Show. Um, the a team. <laughs> no. I mean that was on TV but, but it only young grade. dorky kids like you and me watch that. Oh show. man. Oh, dun, okay. dun, 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 chips. Dun. No, that was earlier. Oh, Ch- chips yeah. was yeah, chips was like LA late. Law. That was later. Oh my god, I don't know. Okay, okay. Uh, Simon already, and Simon. I don't that's such a small show. <laughs> I've already named like, some of them. Okay, uh, cheers. Yes. <laughs> And Family Ties. Family Ties. Oh, of course, Family Ties. I should have. Uh, and Night Court. Night Court was top rated? Yeah. I guess because uh, it was on that Thursday lineup. It was a big show. Murder, She Wrote. Oh, okay. The Golden Girls. 60, That's so funny. 60 Minutes, Growing Pains. Okay, Growing Pains, yes. Moonlighting, and Who's the Boss? Who's the Boss? Okay, so it is funny to see the differences on what they decided to bring to Columbia and what they didn't. <laughs> because the Cosby show like never really made it big there. But things like uh, the one with Arnold, uh, Different Strokes, mm. Different Strokes, like that was huge in Columbia. That might have been before 87. Yeah, no, I, I'm, but I'm saying just in general. Like, that was a huge show here too. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. Uh, so Who's the Boss was huge in Columbia. Okay. But some of these other ones never like was really- Was Moonlighting big? No. Moonlighting was huge. No. Yeah. I, we like, had like, uh, like Scarecrow and Mrs. King. and What? Uh, we had Hardcastle and McCormick. Hunter was huge. Yeah. Do you remember Hunter? No. With Fred Dreyer? That might have been after my time. Oh, my God. You know, there's a time, you know, when you go to college, it's like, again, because right. in, my, in my college, I didn't have a TV. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like, there's this huge black uh, yeah. cloud and also of top 40. It's like just Alf like, was huge. 
Yeah, that that was that was that was that was on in '87. Yeah. So again, groundbreaking show, Cosby Show. African American dad who's a rich physician. Right. This is like totally Crazy. groundbreaking. Yeah. The mother is a rich lawyer. Yeah. Um, and because at the time in the '80s, the the sexism or the racism and sexism, but particularly racism in the media was, you know, at an all time high yeah. or not all time high, but no, de- but it was assumed. It's like it was awful. I mean, yeah. every black person you saw on TV was a criminal. Yeah. Being handcuffed, you know, the, or a or a side joke, like a, re, a comic relief or something. Right. It was the crack epidemic, yeah. and you know the right. gang ec- epidemic and stuff. So the cop, yeah, that usually in the cop shows I like, usually they might go consult with their jivey informant kind of yeah. guy, but he's yeah, definitely a criminal. Um, Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, but the um, uh, to have Doctor Huxtable with this right. all American family and just. This wonderful, nice dad right. who pays attention to his kids, but he's also still a guy, you know. Yeah. He's still a man, and right. it was just like this beautiful show, and provided a lot of white guilt to sort of dissipate, you know. It's just yeah. like, well, I, I they've like made the, it, yeah. Well, <laughs> white, yeah, white people could be like, see, black they, people, they can do it, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so it's it's both good and bad, but I always thought of it as good because I thought. And again, I didn't really know it at that time, but as later when I moved here and stuff and I saw it, I thought, well, that's such a wholesome show. And it must have been a good influence for some in, in many ways, right? Oh, absolutely. For, yeah. I mean, being the top rated show, right. uh, it, get, you know, it gets under everyone's skin, black people, white people right. alike, to know that, oh, black people are humans too. I mean, for, for many people, even including black people, that yeah. was kind of a new notion. Right, you know? right. It won uh, several Emmy Awards, Outstanding Comedy Series, Outstanding Writing, Outstanding Directing, uh, Outstanding Performer, blah, 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 lots lots of Emmys. Golden Globe Awards, Best TV Series Comedy. Uh, Bill Cosby won two Golden Globes for, for this. So Golden Globes, yeah. Emmys, Grammys, you know, and, he'll, and, and, and NAACP Image Awards, Outstanding Comedy Series. Uh, right. Bill Cosby, Felicia, Rash- Felicia Rashad got got uh, two wins. Actually, Bill Cosby got two wins, and you know, just awards, awards from every everyone wow. loves him. Again, I you know, t- to younger people, it might h- be hard to sort of really fully grasp it. Right, right. You know, it's really we don't really have a person in today's world that fits this this amount of universal right. fame. Yeah. Because, and, and positive praise, yeah. right? Be, you know, I just like. Can you think of anyone, you know, now that no. just has? It? I mean, you can look at Beyonce, I suppose. But no, no but there's always no. Like, I mean, Oprah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oprah would be a good, <laughs> but, example. but only, but not really, because she's not well liked on the right. Like it's well, you know, but not only that, but like, when was the last time you watched an Oprah show? Right. Like right. we also don't have that mechanic anymore. Right. The Everyone knew what happened on that night because everyone watched the same show. Right. There's there are uh, ratings that I, th- I said before where they found that half of American households were watching the Cosby Show. Just right. think about that. Yeah. Half of American households with TVs. Right. So it's it's funny because a lot of us from the, our generation, we we are still trying to play out 
how it used to work when we were kids. So we, we say, so have you seen that episode? And you're like, no, dude, that's one of 20,000 series that yeah. are out right now. And of yeah. course I haven't seen that. Yeah, Netflix is overwhelming, man. Yeah, like, totally. I, I just, I was like, oh my God, there's so many things. Um, so yeah, Bill Cosby was massively famous. Uh, and so not only was he just, you know, basically the American man in, in the late 80s, but uh, he did a lot of charitable work, numerous scholarships he offered, he mentored people. He was notorious for, in a good way, for uh, getting black people into the business. Right. He would like say, nope, if if I'm going to work on this show, you're going to have a black director. Right. You're going to have a black this, you're going to have a black that, and, and people did it, right? What a great guy. He won the Bob Hope Humanitarian Award, which is a big deal. And yet, he was raping young women during these years too and oh, abusing, abusing many people around him, threatening them, uh... And it's important to note that, and I know this mainly from watching documentaries, that black people saw Bill Cosby at this time as a god. I yeah. mean, he was the success story. Of course. He was clean cut. Yep. The American dad. He had won. You know, Richard Pryor had won in a certain way, but not like playing the American game, you no. know, the way Bill Cosby had. Well, and folks like, as, as Eddie Murphy was coming up, he was beloved as well, but it was almost like... You know, he, his humor wasn't clean cut. You couldn't, like, bring him home to mom kind of thing. You right. know, it was like, um, this guy, who wouldn't love him? Right. And seen as, like, this wonderful, nice philanthropist and oh, powerful. right. And he was totally non-threatening yeah. to whites. Yeah. That's important. Right. Exactly. Uh, he gave millions of dollars to charities and historically black colleges, helped thousands of black, people's, black people with their careers, um, so at this time in the 80s, he starts to get into a little bit of his later career. Mm-hmm. He starts to chastise African-American youth at different uh, speeches that he gives. Uh-huh. You know, basically, he doesn't use this words, but he basically, you know, like, black boys are thugs these days, and okay. girls are sluts and getting pregnant too fast. And um, And at first, he was actually really appreciated. You know, it was a time when... Tough love kind of thing. There, well, there was a lot of worry about, you know, African-American youth at the time. Yeah. And he was an African-American dad. Yeah. And he was speaking truth to a lot of people. Right. And so at first, you know, it was well-received for the most part. Um, now, it should be pointed out that everyone knew he was having sex with young women who wanted to be on his show and, you know, like the casting couch. Oh, I see. Thing. So that was well-known. Yeah, that was well-known. It was well-known oh, that wow. he was, you know, like... There were people even knew it's like, oh, I bet you Bill Cosby is going to try to have sex with that girl because he's definitely she's definitely Bill Cosby's type. He had a type. What? He liked small, straight hair. In fact, one of the girls that he was grooming to rape, he actually like told her she needed to straighten her hair. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Heidi Thomas during this time claims that during an audition, Cosby instructed her to sip a drink. So he would do this thing where he would get young actresses because, mm-hmm. you know, they were all just flocking to him because they all wanted to be on his show. Right, right, right. And he could, like, you know, make so make much career. career. Yeah. yeah. And so he'd say, well, you know, come by my hotel room, blah, blah, blah. Right. And he'd be like, okay, well, let's do an act, act Oh, no. An acting <laughs> exercise. So how would you to, to pretend to drink this drink, but drink it? Right. <laughs> well, no, what he would say is, you know, drink this drink yeah. and act like you're drunk. Oh, okay. I want to see if you can act drunk. Okay. 
and but so, the drink actually had the thing. But the drink had the quaalude in it. Oh so he, so, so they would drink the drink and they would start acting, and then boom, they'd pass out. And so, so a qua- just a quaalude makes you pass out. Is that the thing? At certain doses, okay, doses, okay. yeah. Um, after sipping the drink, uh, she alleges that she became unconscious and awoke to Cosby performing oral sex on her. Okay, imagine that. She came forward in 2015. Wow. Uh, a woman who wanted to remain anonymous, she claims that Cosby invited her to his New York apartment to audition for the Cosby show, and he drugged and rape, raped her. She didn't come forward until 2015. So again, just unrelenting, this, this dual life. Yeah. You know, and yet, and right under the noses of all of us. Yeah. Um. So again, just going over his M.O., he often, which I haven't really emphasized yet, but when you watch documentaries and when they interview the victims, he used his stature to gain the trust of his victims. Yeah. He would, you know, really, he knew people saw him as like American's dad. Right. And so he would, you know, he would come to people, he'd be like, he would even call some of these girls like his kids. You're like, you're part of my kids. You're part of my, my jello kids. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, these young women would just be like, oh, I'm, I'm in the circle, you know? Right. And then he would, you know, oh. pretend to be giving him an acting lesson, sip the drink and act drunk, quaalude, pass out, or mostly pass out, and he would rape them. Uh, he would, you know, he, he even, I won't, I won't get into the dirty details, but he even had certain sexual acts that he tended to repeat, which, you know, lends itself to um, believing all these people because they describe very similar the things. Similar things. Um, and then they would wake yeah. up <clears throat> with their clothes all disheveled. Uh, he, he wouldn't even like re, you know, clothe them most no. of the time. And he would threaten them to keep them quiet, which you know oh must have God. been terrifying. Or he would pay them off. Like there are lots of women where he just give them like seven hundred bucks. For some reason, a lot of them were seven hundred dollars. What? He used to be like, you know, keep quiet, <laughs> keep quiet about it. here's seven hundred bucks. Um, or, or he would play mind games. For example, one woman said that um, she was going to, afterwards, she was going to talk to the press, and Bill Cosby found out about it. So he showed up at her brother's hospital room to entertain the entire floor as oh a way as God. A, yeah, as a way of trying to scare her. Oh, my God. And she, and she was quiet after that. That's crazy. Yeah. So... Um, he he's doing all this, and like you said, it's not just like it's not just women that he could have sex with. It's like women that you know he just didn't even care if they wanted to have sex with him. He was just here's a drink. Don't even talk here. Just take the drink. Right. Yeah. Many of the women they were totally under the impression that it was an audition and had yeah. nothing to do with romance. So, dude, it's interesting. When I was, I don't know if I've told this one in the podcast before. When I was uh, in high school in in Tacoma, uh, there was a, a professor, a chemistry professor, who uh, he he had also taught track, um, but he would get very touchy. And so the thing is, I remember. So the, uh, I remember he was talking to me, and I'm like, "All right, so I'm doing cross country." He's like, "Oh, that's good. That's good." Like. Uh, and he told me about creatine, like, oh, you might, you know, if you're doing weight training across, then you want, want to take some creatine. I'm like, oh, that's great. He said, now what stretches do you do? I'm like, well, I don't know. I stretch. I, I did taekwondo when I was young, so I know how to do this. Okay. Well, you need to make sure you like stretching your back too. I'm like, oh, really? Like, yeah. Here, let me show you. I'll, I'll, I'll show. And like he, he would, 
say, okay, put your hands, you know, like this. And then he'd uh, like put it by my eyes and then he'd grab you from behind and then he'd lift you up, which would in fact crack your back. But I was, and so I, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But he would often want to do this. And not just to me, like I saw, you know, like he would do it to like a few of the other student athletes or whatever. He's very into the student athletes. And he would like uh, show you new stretches and all this. With his hands. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't think anything of it. It's like, oh, this is great. Like he's an older man who's taking an interest in the. But the other thing is he started, and I wasn't part of this, but he started a uh, Bible study club. And so he would invite, you know, young, young boys to, uh, to his house to do this Bible study. I knew a couple of people that were part of it, and I got the impression that it w- things weren't ex- all on the level. Like I think there might have been a little grooming happening. Wow! And and so then when I look back, because then I heard a few other stories and things. So when I look back years later, I thought, oh, that's weird. Like he never he never fully crossed the boundary with me. Yeah. But he did often want to like stretch me out. Like what the heck, you know? Yeah. And and so that whole kind of like uh, thing where you form a cl- like the idea like oh he formed a club and then you know you're young and you might want to feel included in things so imagine that you're a young athlete and you're like oh come to my study Bible thing and you're one of my special students or whatever like I could see how that could be a, an appealing thing so these girls or these young women like oh I'm in the inner Cosby circle like how enticing right. that is and how right. your guard just must drop in those cases right. So in your situation, you were mildly enamored with this guy. Right. Imagine it was Bill Cosby. Right. You know. Uh, 1986, Barbara Bowman, Bill Cosby mentored her until she turned 18. Then he offered, like as soon as she turned 18, he offered her a drug-laced glass of wine and raped her in his New York home. Later, he attempted to assault her in Atlantic City and attempted to destroy her a career when she fought back. So again, oh. is that more of his, you know, I will destroy your career. She was silent until 2005. Rebecca Lynn. Uh, sorry, what happened in 2005? Oh, we'll a get lot to that. Of, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it, it all comes around. All right. We're getting, that's good, pretty soon. Rebecca Lynn Neal alleges that Cosby gave her a shot of alcohol, which rendered her disoriented but still conscious while Cosby raped her. I mean, it's unbelievable. That story after story after story. Yeah. And I'm only telling some of them. And she was like, you know, selling him to stop and he ignored her. Um, 19, I have a few more here, 1990s. So I just want to, the passage of time. Yeah. 1960s. you know, Bobby Kennedy is still alive. The Beatles are still recording albums. Yeah. The Help just came out, 1965. Yeah. Through the 19, you know, late 60s. Right. Early 70s. Right. Mid 70s, late 70s, early 80s. 80s. Now we're in the 90s. Right. He's still at it. Yeah, like on the one hand, Elton John is releasing number one after number one after number one, decade after decade. Cosby is raping decade after decade. Just unrelenting. Lily Bernard, she claims that Bill Cosby mentored her to be on his show. Once he gained her total trust, he tricked her into drinking a drink with drugs in it. She remembers waking up while he was raping her. She couldn't move because of the drugs and the terror. Later, she was actually on the show. Which show? The Cosby Show? The Cosby Show. show. Uh, And he threatened her so she wouldn't report it, and she didn't. 
Oh, my God. Angela Leslie claims that during an acting audition in Cosby's Las Vegas hotel room, he told her to sip a drink, although she only pretended to sip it. Huh. He then allegedly stripped and forced Leslie's hand on his penis, but told her to leave when she resisted. Afterwards, she received regular payments from Cosby. What? Yeah. Uh, Okay, so now we're getting into the 2005, but the year before, 2004. So now we're 40 years into this. uh, Sorry, one question. So it seemed like he never would hit them. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Like he had this weird boundary where even the one that – because you would think in another case – she didn't drink it. Oh, well, here, drink it. Uh, but he didn't have to because yeah. he... The thing that I'm not really portraying well that the victims will describe is how fucking scary he could be. Mm. Like, he could he could um, threaten people on a dime. Wow. He just look at, you know, the way they describe it, he'd just be like, I will destroy you. Right. Do you understand what I'm going to do to you right. and your life? I will I will bury you. Like right. he he had a way of scaring and you know he had tremendous power at the very least money for lawyers and right. whatnot but also just the love of the world. Yeah. You know. And, no, and he was a physically So again like you know we all think of him as like oh this he's a physically imposing person yeah. with incredible uh facial and voice abilities. Yeah. 2004. Okay, now we're getting to like when things start to blow up a little bit. He he drugged and assaulted yet another woman. Wow. You know, now normally you just be like, oh, okay, just another one of the another stories one, that yeah. I've mentioned. Andrea Constand, she was working for Temple University's women's basketball team. That's how he kind of met her because uh-huh. he was involved with Temple University. She was a Canadian national team basketball player and incidentally a gay woman, which I'm not sure if um, Bill Cosby knew this. And again, just another one of the victims, drugged her, blah, 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 after 40-plus years of doing this. I would guess up until this point, rough guess, more than 1,000 victims. Because, you know, there's something like 60 or so plus women, and I'm sure more women will will come forward as as time goes on. But these are women who are actually coming forward today. Yeah. Now, you got to times that by at least 20. Yeah. Just alone just off the top right there. But then you like think like how many people like are like, well, I kind of remember this one night I got really drunk and I'm not really quite sure what happened, you yeah. know? Um, but you, you span over 40 plus years. Like, you yeah. d- and, and anyway, I, I, I would guess it, in the hundreds, if not over a thousand victims. So all these people, he's got completely away with it, except for minor payments. He's yeah. a millionaire. He's got millions of dollars. Yeah. He's paying seven hundred bucks. Like that's yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing. And he does it this one more time, but this time, Andrea Constan decided to report it. Well, just like so many others, what was different this? Well, time? this time she, this woman went to the police. Oh. So this is different in that she actually went to the police. I see. You know, she's a strong lesbian yeah. uh, basketball coach. Yeah. And she's older, too, than some of the women that he would do this to. And so she's just like, and it's 2004, so maybe things are a little bit yeah. more loosening up in terms of sexism and, you know, paternalistic society. So she goes forward. 
She reported to the police, but the DA thought the case didn't have enough evidence. Right. So the case was dropped. Oh. I just love that. It's like, so Bill Cosby drugged me and raped me. Let me describe every detail about this. Oh, I'm sorry. Not enough evidence. Right. Great. Do you have film? Yeah. So this was the first time that there was public attention to, to the problem because when she the went news to the police, broke out. The, the news caught on to it and they actually oh. started to report it. Do you remember this? Because I don't. I don't. Yeah. So 13, at the time I wasn't really paying attention to the news like the way I do now. But it must have also been sort of buried. Right. Which I'll get into in a second. But got a little bit of media attention. Enough so that 13 other women came forward for the uh, first time. Wow. So this is all those women who I said okay. who were silent until okay. 2005. So again, this way predates Me Too. Right. So Andrea Constant's like, well, fuck that shit. I'm going to sue him in court. Because, you know, in civil suits, yeah. it's easier, like with the OJ case, yeah, to get it. Yeah, the burden's con- different. Yeah. So... She filed with the 13 other victims. Oh. And Bill Cosby settled out of court for $3.5 million. Oh. And uh, a confidentiality agreement between everybody. So Andrea Constian couldn't talk about anything afterwards. Wow. They settled low. <laughs> so the media dropped it. Society moved on, which is weird, you know, because you would think like, well, anyway, why do you think society just dropped it at that point? Because you you don't want to tarnish the man, right? Like you want to hold on to your belief that um, that things are good and that your heroes are good, and and it's just like better. It's easier. It's an easier mental thing to be like, oh, who knows what really happened? Let's move on. Yeah, excellent. And That's- also, I don't think we heard it about about it enough. Well, but of those who did, yeah, sure, and. The other thing I'll say is that it's a, I think, a race thing because there are, at this point, you know, white people are starting to be afraid of of appearing racist, mm. you know? I mean, back in the day, it was like white people, many white people were, had no problem appearing racist. Right. But at this time, 2005, it's like, well, I don't want people to know that I'm racist. Right. So better air <laughs> on the side. So if I'm a, if I'm a newspaper... Oh, uh, I see. Or a journalist or a politician. Right. Better err on the side of safety here and just say, well, I'm sure I'm sure it's nothing. Uh, a little Plus, bit. I mean, he has an army of publicists and lawyers and things. Yeah. Seems like. uh, Robert Huber, a white guy, Philadelphia Magazine, uh, you know, c- caught wind of the story. And he was like, well, wait a second. Why is no one reporting on this? And he actually started reporting on it. But guess what? the media ignored him as well. <laughs> so there were like little yeah. flashes, but again, no one really... So so this is 2006. Now, 2006 goes by, 2007. Then it goes dormant, right? 2008. Uh, Chloe Goines uh, claims that Cosby drugged her and assaulted her. Uh, in 2016, an announcement was made that no charges would be laid because of inadequate evidence and the statute of limitations. So... He's still abusing people, 2008. This was not that wow. long ago. Oh, 2008 is when it... I thought that's when she came out. Like, that's when it happened. That's when it happened. She came forward in 2014, which oh, I'll get to that. wow. 2009, he wins the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. During the, during the ceremony, he's honored by Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, Sinbad, and many others. Uh, everyone loves him. Fallon, Letterman... Uh, Arsenio Hall, he's on all the shows. Of course, yeah. Everyone loves him. Uh, 
Okay, now fast forward 2014. Okay. This is when the shit hits the fan. Okay. Do you know what it was? I don't. No. Hannibal I, Burris. Who? Hannibal Burris. Do you know him? He said he's a comedian. No, I don't. He's, oh yeah, I don't know. Now I remember. I don't know the guy, but he was doing some sort of thing and he was just like he made a joke about taking it for granted that Bill Cosby has raped all these women. Right. And at the time, there was out, some outrage, like, how dare he? Right. I, 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 like I said, I don't know the comedian, but I remember that happened. Yeah. He's hilarious, actually. Um, he's been in a lot of movies. Tag, which wasn't a good movie. But he's, Oh, he's, I know who it is. Okay. He's also on the Eric Andre show. Uh, I don't know that, but I, I do know who he is based on Tag, because I, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, he's also in uh, a great TV show called High Maintenance. Have you ever seen High Maintenance no. TV show? Anyway, he's in one of the early episodes. So yeah, stand up act, and he's talking. You know, he's talking about Bill Cosby, and he's talking about how Bill Cosby talks down to young black men for you know being thugs and stuff. Right. And he's like, yeah, but you know, you raped women, Bill Cosby, so that kind of brings you down a couple of notches, right? And and like it's, it, I remember when that came out. Everyone was like, wait, what is he talking about? Right. So someone was filming from like the back row right. and 2014, age of Twitter, it gets posted. And he's like, okay, stop gasping people. Just just Google Bill Cosby rape. You'll see what I'm talking about. Oh. So um, only Hannibal Burris could get away with this, by the way. You don't know him, but <laughs> anyone that knows him just knows that like Hannibal Burris is like the perfect person to have done this because wow. one he's black and yeah. he's super laid back and he doesn't give an you know a <laughs> fuck about anything and so it's just really great that he did that um, and by the way he had been making this joke for six months be- oh, wow. before it blew up but this time it took off so again this is fifty years of him raping oh him. yeah I yeah. know I, I definitely know who he is now I, I'm looking at the picture now. yeah so now what now why would this so He's he's talking about this in his routine for six months. Right. Uh, he talks about it in this in this one you know routine. He's actually in Philadelphia, by the way, Bill Cosby's right. hometown. Um, but why do you think this is when the you know the match starts the fire? So this was twenty fourteen. Yeah, because we've had you know women have come forward. People have kind of known things were happening. There's been, you know, yeah. 10 years earlier, there was an actual criminal and civil case. Right. And it completely got... This was the spark that lit the match. Yeah. Why was it this, do you think? I don't know exactly. But, I mean, certainly one thing is that uh, the the ability for things to get posted broadly, it was at, you know, like unprecedented heights via, via social media. Number two... The ability to do research online was like at unprecedented heights. Number three, the accusation came from a dude. <laughs> so like, and a black dude, and a black dude, yeah. Which I think is a big. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, black dude. So it covers two bases. One, oh, it's not a woman making the accusation, and two, oh, it's not a white person making the accusation. Yeah, I think you said uh, well. The the only thing I would add to it is that um, young people today don't really worship him the way that people worship oh that's a good point like you talk to a 25 year old doesn't mean anything they're like bill cosby they might have heard the name but it's isn't he the guy with the sweaters like yeah they don't care right you know to our generation and people older than us like 
Bill Cosby was a god. Right. It'd be like if Barack Obama was a co- accused right, of right, something. Right, You're right. just like, no. No, worse. It's worse. Barack Obama was only like a president. <laughs> yeah. But two liberals. Sure, Let's sure, just put sure. it that way. Yeah. So like, you know, it was a black man who actually, Burris appeals to a younger crowd. Um, and also, you know, it's a lot of... It'd be of, like Neil deGrasse Tyson getting accused. Oh, boy. Don't even get into that. But also, so Me Too, I think, is brewing. And I also think that, you know, for the first time, I really kind of conceptualized this, and I'm sure other experts have come to this conclusion, is that, you know, with the way the Internet is today, it makes grassroots movements like this so much easier to do. Yeah. You know, you've been alluding to this already. Yeah. In the past, it's like, okay, what do you do? What do you do? Where, where do you go? I'll print out some pamphlets right. and pass them out downtown. Today, Hannibal Burris is giving a joke on a stage. Someone films it. They post it on Twitter. It, it somehow blows, it blows up. up. Then instantly, other victims start hearing right. the story, like within maybe hours. Right. They're, they're like, oh, did you hear that? That joke that that guy did about you know Bill Cosby I was awful and like as a victim you're like well wait that happened to me yeah you know and then you start looking on Facebook you start you know getting yeah. getting connections start you know and people start coming forward blah 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 so um, Bill Cosby does an interview soon after this and he gets asked questions like so you've been you know you've been accused of these things what do you want to say and he gives his, he gives a very strange evasive answer and then at some point he says. So I'd like you to not include this in the publication. <laughs> he actually asks he the, the journalist. He's like, "So I, oh, wow. I want you to not. I want you to strike this from the record. Strike it from the record." Yeah, and the, his wife's sitting right next to him. And I think I watched that one actually. It was super awkward. <laughs> yeah, because um, she was, you know, she was defending him publicly for. Yeah, well, maybe you know, now. I, don't I, know. I wouldn't. I could see a scenario where she had no idea. Yeah. I could also see a scenario where she, she kind of yeah. knew, you know. I could also see a scenario where she's terrified of him as well. Sure, sure, Because, sure. um, you know, we know what he's capable of. I'm sure she's seen his dark side. Yeah. More women start coming forward. They start making actually public statements. They start actually, you know, putting their face and their name on the line. Oh Lawyers start getting hired. Society, our society starts to slowly turn on him for the first time in his life. Some people are still defending him, like Felicia Rashad, Who- Whoopi Goldberg. They eventually kind of come around. Okay, now next, the next year, twenty. 20- I mean, there's no one still defending him, right? I think there. Oh no, there are. I'll get into that in a second. What? Yeah, 2015, New York Magazine's cover featured images of 35 women who had come forward thus I remember far, that. sitting in chairs, all accusing Bill Cosby of sexual assault. Uh, but all the assaults happened too long ago for statute of limitations, which is complete BS, by the way. Except for his assault on Andrea Constand, right? That's like there was another one too, which I'll, which I already described. But Andrea Constand was the one where it's like that happened recently enough that we can actually try to get him on this. Yeah. So Andrea Constand files a motion to negate the the confidentiality agreement. It's sort of this weird legal thing that happens. But as a result, I'm not exactly sure why they actually get that deposition. That was like this secret deposition that Bill Cosby. Oh, that's when that came out, right? Yeah, and they unseal it, uh, Bill, in, in which Bill Cosby admits, and the press had something to do with it too. It was sort of like the Pentagon Papers in some ways, where the yeah. the papers had to be like the public deserves, you know, this information. And the reason why they the argument that they made was that Bill Cosby does not deserve private. So because normally you would deserve privacy, yeah. So, but they were saying. Because Bill Cosby 
has been lecturing Americans about how to be a good human being. Mm-hmm. That's part of his his business, so to speak. We deserve to have this information because it speaks to that about oh, how wow. moral he is. It's sort of a weird argument. It right? is a weird argument. Um, so he under oath, sounds like a judge was like, "Okay, I'll use that. I'll use that." Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just like you know, in a uh, civil hearing for uh, O.J. Simpson, or not civil hearing, but the the, the Las trial. Vegas uh, oh, yeah. crime, he gets thirty three years. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Um, so. In this uh, deposition, Bill Cosby admits to obtaining quaaludes from a gynecologist, Leroy Amar. The the physician knew that Bill Cosby had no intention of taking the drugs himself. From a gynecologist? Yeah. Bill Cosby reported that he intended to give them to women he wanted to have sex with. He admitted that he had given the drug to at least one woman and and potentially other people. Uh, as a result of this, the physician lost his medical license, of course. Isn't that a little creepy that a gynecologist was handing out quaaludes? Yeah, it's creepy in so many ways. Um, so beca- when this came out, then he was charged with uh, three second-degree felony counts of aggravated indecent assault. Yikes. 2017, not too long ago, trial. It was a mistrial because the jury couldn't come to a unanimous. I remember that. Which that is a big deal. Ridiculous. Uh, 2018, this year, retrial, Bill Cosby was Ba-boom! found guilty yeah. on all three accounts against Andrea Constance. So Andrea was bravely stepping forward and saying, I will be the one, since right. it happened recently, right. who will uh, represent the dozens, yeah. if not hundreds of, of victims. She wrote in a written statement, when the sexual assault happened, I was a young woman brimming with confidence and looking forward to a future bright with possibilities. Was this the 15-year-old? No, she was the coach, the basketball coach. Oh, right, right, right. Now, almost 15 years later, I'm a middle-aged woman who's been stuck in a holding pattern for most of her adult life, unable to heal fully and to move forward. Yikes. This is totally, totally believable. Brutal. Trauma of rape, uh, sexual assault can totally throw you off in life. Traumas. Trauma symptoms, depression, anxiety, substance abuse to cope, trusting others, demoralization, shame, etc. Then, and I mean, I mean, it also happening from someone like that, right? Not that it's good in any case, of course, but it's sort of like a parent, yeah, right, right. Someone that you thought you could trust, and yeah. you know, that's why for some people, when they're assaulted by a stranger, yeah. it's easier to cope with emotionally because you're sure. just like, well, they're an evil, horrible person. Right. But when it's someone close to you, you're like, well, does that mean anyone close to me? Yeah. So then we fast forward to the sentencing hearing, which was recent. He faced up to 30 years in prison, and he also faced being branded a sexually violent uh, predator, which carries with it a mandatory lifetime of counseling and notification of his whereabouts. And he's how old? 81. Okay or maybe 80 at this point, but um, Cosby's lawyers argued that he should not uh, be sentenced very harshly, that he should just basically have house arrest and that he shouldn't be labeled a sexually violent predator because he's legally blind and he uses a cane to get around and he's very old. He's 81. They, the lawyers said in court, how does he fight off people who are trying to extort him in prison and this kind of thing? Uh, One expert said, I think it was a psychologist He's 81 years old. He's been convicted of a sex offense 
and after 70, it becomes virtually impossible to reoffend, which is total bullshit. What? Yeah. Based on what? Yeah. Exactly. Like, like wasn't wasn't George Bush the guy that just died? Wasn't he like grabbing yeah. women's butts recently? Yeah. I mean, I, at, when I first read this, I was like, "What?" But now I at reading it, I think what he means is that you can't get erections. Yeah, that's probably what he means. But it's like that is besides the point. <laughs> yeah, that's idiotic. Um, also, the expert said that he's had no sexual conduct in approximately fifteen years, and it's like. No, there are cases of him actually raping other people in yeah. in recent years. And and again, it doesn't matter. Like right. because like it sounds like he he threatens, he coerces, he so he exposes himself like it's all of the above. Like, right, right. Uh it's like they're the lawyers trying to say like he doesn't have a libido anymore, man. Like take it easy on him. Yeah. It's like uh that's not the issue. Also, the lawyers tried to discredit one of the victims in, in court repeatedly alluding to the fact that she had a child with a man to whom she was not married. Oh, my God. In this day, wait, it was this 1928. What? When was this trial? Yeah, this was just earlier this year. Oh, my God. Uh, so the sentencing hearing uh, concluded on September 25th, 2018, not too long ago, and he got three to 10 years in state prison. Uh, he got designated as a sexually violent predator, and when they... The judge announced that one of the victims in the audience said, yes, in the audience. Um, so three years, you know, he's 81, whatever. It's still BS, though. I mean, for even if you just say one person that he drugged and raped them, I don't know. I just feel like three years is not enough. More than the years, because he is old, and I don't believe, I no longer believe in, uh, like, uh, what do you call that? Rehabilitation? When you, no, no. Uh, when you punish someone to... To, uh, punitive, punitive. Yeah, I, I no longer believe in that. But, uh, but the money, shouldn't there be money? Uh -oh. Or you can that only can be a civil trial. Yeah, but they did. I mean, they, she already got three and a half million from him. No, she didn't. Thirteen she people did. did, right? Uh, well, maybe, maybe, yeah. And it's anyway. more money. Yeah, more people. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and maybe there will be. Maybe there will yeah. be a civil trial. Yeah. Um, so I just want to point out. The, the contrast in our society yeah. between sentencing for drugging and raping someone right. and selling cocaine or pot. Yeah. Let me pr provide some, <laughs> some examples. It's ridiculous. Um, a teenager, a teenager, Ronald Evans, got life in prison without parole for, sell for selling heroin and cocaine as a teenager. No, no violence. Tal Talisha Watkins, 33 years old, got a 20-year-old prison sentence for arranging a cocaine deal. Timothy Tyler got a life sentence for selling LSD. Atiba wow, Park, a life... Yeah, LSD. Life sentence. Yeah, that's how our system works. Atiba Parker was put away for 42 years for selling three grams of crack and only had prior convictions that were misdemeanors for pot. So, so, so this motherfucker is like, you black communities got to get your shit together. I don't care that your dads are in jail for fun, 100 years for selling pot. Yeah. You got to get your shit together. Well, hold on while I rape these women. Yeah. You know, I, I've been, this is, I, I guess I've always known, and we've talked about this, you know, drug, you know, legalization and the ridiculousness in our country, but... uh. You know, I've told you that that at night, what I do now, my ritual is I watch random YouTube suggested videos. Yeah. For whatever reason, every once in a while, they'll suggest like a a real cop 
video, like mm-hmm. a cop, uh, cops show or or oh, okay, yeah. whatever. By the way, is cops still a show? I don't know. <laughs> uh, sometimes it gives me Reno nine one one, which is always okay. hilarious. But uh, uh, Terry. But anyway. Um, I will watch these because I'll be like, oh, that'll be interesting. You know, you know, real cop chase down, this kind of right. thing. 99% of what these cops are doing on, on YouTube is catching people with a joint or, <laughs> or a bag, of, a little Something, bit, yeah. a little bag of cocaine. Right. You know, you got a guy who's just coming home from work. Yeah. And he's, he's got a bag of weed. Who fucking cares? Right. Like, and the amount of, uh, risk that these uh, these you know guys in their cars will go through. I mean, some of them will run yeah. and then they'll get shot or something. I mean, I don't see that usually, but right. the point is, it's like just stop after stop. And guess what? People of color, yeah, Mexican Americans, African Americans, yeah. uh, you know, cops will just go like, "Oh, that guy looks like he's up to no good. Pull him right. over." You know, I have reasonable cause to search the the car because I smell pot. Right. And it's like, the guy's just coming home from work and he's getting high. Who cares? It's like, it doesn't matter. Right. And these guys are going away for years and years. But then you bankrupt the economy with your deals and you get a $100 million payoff. Or you rape women for 40 years and you get, you know, a slap. 50 years. 50 years. Uh, so, by the way, Cosby and his lawyers intend to appeal, of course. Of course. So. Um, and some are speaking out against it. For example, D.L. Hewley, who is a black radio host and actor. You would recognize him, actually. He calls this whole thing racist. Wow. Like, this is racist what they're doing wow. to, to Bill Cosby. This is racist. This is a big conspiracy. Yeah. Is Hillary behind this one? What he says is that... You know, Trump is a known sexual offender, and he got elected. Yeah. But then Bill Cosby gets, you know, prison. Oh, I see the angle. Okay. So we shouldn't punish Trump. We should just not punish Bill Cosby. And by the way, I I didn't mention this, but um, up until his conviction, and maybe even after, he's still performing performing live comedy shows. Right, right. Like, yeah. just last year, earlier this year, he was yeah. selling out, you know, large halls and and doing his comedy he like uh channeling (laughs) trump he could probably tell jokes about it and get away with it so berto i have a serious question for you does this erase the good that he did uh well no so so uh, there's a difference between for example, you know, th- there's a difference between erasing good actions versus changing how we think of the person. So for uh, here, here's why I mean that. Let's say that someone uh, rescued someone from getting killed, right? And then that same person went on and killed 10 people, okay? Uh, well, that person that was saved, their life was truly saved. So you, it doesn't erase that action. But we certainly have to think of the person as a mass murderer and a monster, and so in this case, it's like the the shows we enjoyed as children, they're good shows. Those are good, wholesome shows with good messages and well, well done. He was very talented, all these things. But he as a person, yeah, he's he's a trash human being. He's he's a an unfortunate experience that the world had to go through. And 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 fortunately for most of us, we dealt with, with his good side, but Unfortunately for all these victims, they saw the monster. 
Do you think he was using the media uh, and his, you know, charms to get famous to mask his horrific monstrous behavior or was he a wonderful awesome public figure who also had a problem with raping women? Yeah, that's a good question, man. That's kind of what we asked at the beginning. I think like if you think of uh Harvey Weinstein, I really do believe he he liked movies and he liked good movies and he saw potential in people and right. all these things. But he absolutely is a monster with women, right? Yeah. And so in this case, it is possible that Bill Cosby was honestly trying to put together a good show for the youths and a good show for families and all these things and sort of living a bifurcated mind life in his mind yeah. where he's like, and I love sex with women in a rough way and all these things. Yeah. It's interesting. I was watching uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy recently uh-huh. and produced by Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein. It was so weird to yeah. see that. I wonder if people are striking that from the record. Well, like, have you have you started to watch um, House of Cards, the new season? No, I, I haven't liked that show since season one and a half. Okay, so I'm, I'm watching the new season, and of course he's not in it. And it not, is... You're not <laughs> you're changing people, by the way. No, I know. I'm saying... Uh, but. Uh, what's his name? Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey's not in it, but it's a similar. For a minute thing there, where... I was like, "Was Harvey Weinstein?" In... No, no, but it's similar. Where I, as I'm watching it, I'm realizing, "Wow, Kevin Spacey was in all those movies and shows, and I love all those things." Yeah, and it's, well, it's... so can we love some of the classics of Bill Cosby? Yeah, that's a good question. So there must be some line, right? Like, for example, if if Hitler, let's use Hitler as an extreme, if Hitler had produced. Well, he did. He, no, no, but, but we didn't like. Yeah, but we didn't like it or know about it, right? I'm saying, yeah. let's say you and I, for some bizarre reason, had heard a song before we knew about Hitler and World War. II. Well, no, here's a better uh, actual real example: okay. is Charles Manson. Sure, the Helter Skelter. No, not Helter Skelter. He recorded his own songs, and yeah. one of his songs is actually kind of good. Right, right, but but yeah, it's just that it's it's so easy to give away that one because it's like. Well, sure, it might have been a good song, but now I don't care. But, like, take the Beatles. Fine, like, let's take the Beatles. Oh, something that's beholden. Like, yeah. Like, well, the, well the, Bill Cosby, you're just giving an analogy for Bill but Cosby. But I was going the other direction, which was there must be a line where the thing you did was so horrible that it does erase the good. Well, I've given this a lot of thought because we've talked about it a number of times in the podcast. You know, I, I've never really had to formalize my thoughts on it and. Tell me what you think about this. This is just me personally. I have an emotional connection to some of Bill Cosby's things that he did. Uh, The Fat Albert show, for example. Um, Some Cosby show clips. Some of his stand-up, actually. There are things that are beyond him in my book. Even though he created it, it's like these are things that are precious to me in my childhood. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things like this, like Kevin, things that Kevin Spacey did, things that Harvey Weinstein produced. Yep. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, or, well, here's a great example. Um, Tambor, uh, what's his name? Is his name Tambor? Uh, from Arrested Development. And um, anyway, he uh, is one of the, you know, sort of, He's on the Kevin Spacey spectrum, mm-hmm. and 
he was in Arrested Development, and he's a major character in that in that TV show. Okay. I that TV show I just rewatched seasons one and two. Seasons one and two of Arrested Development are just masterpieces of comedy, and even though there are problems with multiple characters in you know the real world on that show, that show is too precious to me. I can't mm-hmm. give it up. Yeah. And and almost like in spite of them, I'm just like, well, yeah. And every time I see the character, I'm like, that guy did horrible things. Yeah. But I love it too much. No, I totally understand. And so my take is this. Here's where I, my line is drawn with, if I can avoid giving you any more money, I'm going to. That's but, the thing. But, you know, Bill Cosby has... You know, an, another extra ten thousand dollars from. No, I know, but for me, it's a line. Like it's it's just more of a. But anything you do is probably, get, you know. Well, let me give you. Like we did a deep dive on John Lennon the other day. Yeah. And in that deep dive, we discovered that John Lennon was an abusive husband to every woman he was involved with, as right. far as we can tell, and was extremely violent. With with women, right. you know Chris Brown, this kind of thing. Are you going to stop listening to the Beatles? No, no. What I mean is like, what I mean is that like I, I like. Let's take a Kentucky. You know, he's dead. I I can't give him more. Money, well, let's say right? if he was alive, sure, I probably wouldn't buy his new album. But wait, but every time you listen on Spotify, he gets a little bit of money. Yeah, but there's also Paul George and, and Ringo, right? So, and, so, so you don't mind giving John a little bit of money? Well, especially when there's other people involved, right? Like, so in the case of Netflix shows or things like that, or movies, like think of a movie. Like, if you said, "I'm never going to watch Lord of the Rings again because it was a Harvey Weinstein produced movie," well, that's fine. But there were thousands of people involved in that movie. Now, fine, most of them don't get royalties. There are still like probably hundreds of people in that movie that get royalties. So, and and, and actually, let alone the the companies that get and pay their employees. So, for you to say like I'm not going to give Harvey Weinstein more money, it's a lot more complicated. For but, me, for me, the the solution lies more in what are we going to do to help victims and protect people in the future. More so than concentrating on this question. I asked the question, so, you know. I, no, I, no, and, and I'm saying, like, if I can help not give more money to predators, I will. <laughs> which, which you know, we, on a case-by-case basis, I think is important to think yeah. about uh, for all of us. But for me, um, I will, Jeffrey Tambor, I will continue to love uh, and watch Arrested Development, even if Jeffrey Tambor is getting a little bit of money. I will continue to enjoy... Bill Cosby things because one, I don't think he's probably getting a penny from me watching like a clip on YouTube, honestly. But, um, but even even if he was, it's like, well, he he's already you know he's already filthy rich anyway. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that we still have a problem on our hands. We still we're we're getting better, but you know the Me Too movement has allowed probably point zero one percent of victims coming forward. There's still 99% of women and men who are victims of sexual assault or other kind of harassment who are still completely in the closet because they know that if they come forward, either people aren't going to listen to them or there's going to be negative consequences from society and or the justice system, and that's a problem. Well, but to be fair, 
if they also know that we're all going to keep going to the comedy shows from these from these perpetrators, that also doesn't help. Right, and so on a case by case basis. Yeah. yeah, I'm not so, going to a Bill right. Cosby but, but show. But that, that's what I'm what I'm ultimately saying. I'm is, just saying. I, I guess mainly what I'm asking is more to its core is can I still enjoy uh, you know those creations? Like, say I had a VHS tape that I had yeah. already bought or something. Like, divorce it from any kind right, of right, monetary. Right, right. Can I still enjoy like? you know, a few episodes of the Cosby show. Right. And I'm saying that's a totally personal to, to the individual and B, I don't see anything wrong with that personally because even, and, and so to answer my original as, question, as long as overall you are doing something as an activist to help society right. in this way. Right. So, and I, and I, I was, I'll go all the way back to my original point. Like even if it were from Hitler and this is where you would think you would draw the line. Right. But what I'm saying is like, we actually depend, our whole society depends and uses on a daily basis and admires things that were created and built by as horrible or worse human beings throughout history. Right. Okay? And we, we sh- if we wanted like to... Thomas Edison was like a super asshole. And then go further back to the Greeks and, and everyone, right? Like it's horrible. It's a horrible background. Uh, the American economy is based, based on slavery. Excellent. So what, I, what I'm trying to say is this. If we wanted to be truly idealistic and punish retroactively everyone in history, it's sort of you have to stop living. <laughs> okay. Now, but that doesn't mean we have to have no boundaries. So what I was saying is if Hitler had produced some amazing composition of music actually take wagner wagner is someone that not only hitler admired but wagner's philosophies were very much in line with the uh like supremacy kind of thinking right but wagner is beautiful music now i don't contribute to any supremacist by listening to wagner and i can enjoy the music at the same time i can recognize like how horrible some of the ideology is and of course what it led to so i think in similar ways you with your vhs tape you admire something, you find something funny. If you personally find that uncomfortable now, that's totally fine. If you don't personally find it uncomfortable, that's totally fine. What I'm saying for me personally is I will try and I do already try to not give more money if I can help it to people that are already known predators or, or offenders. And to your point, like, are we doing something about the overall problem? And I think that is a very important point. Do you listen to Ace of Base? Would you would you buy an Ace of Base CD? I have in the past. I saw the sign. And it opened up my mind. I saw the sign. They are rampant neo-Nazis. Are they? Yep. Stop. Yep. You're breaking my heart. Watch. Okay, go- well, Google man, it. I'm definitely not listening to Ace of Base anymore. Go- those songs, like... Uh, oh, uh, my God. She had another baby. Whoa. They're like, if you... Y'all, like... Some of those songs, like, uh, all that she wants is, is another, another baby. baby. It's basically like a race. I think it's a racist thing against black what? people having kids. Oh, my God. Well, I'm done with Ace of Base. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know about that speculation, but I definitely know that, you know, I saw the sign and the, and all the lyrics right. and the, because the, the main songwriter was this guy. So, so this is a perfect example where I can still say, look, those are good songs. They're very well written. Yeah. And say... I'm not going to buy them anymore. I'm not going to pay them anymore. Yeah. Right. All I do is whenever I hear it, I, I like I'll be in the mall and like yeah. that song will come out. I'll just be like, does anyone know the yeah. background of this? But song? but you will admit that like 
to some extent, one of the things that empowers some of these people is their power, right? Their money, their wealth, their fame. If people had known over the years to stop supporting that, stop going to shows and stuff, it certainly would have helped. Yeah, and with today's world, as we move forward, the power cannot save. I, I'm the perfect uh, world that we're heading towards. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, is where someone as big as Bill Cosby can drug and rape a girl. Yeah. And she stands up and walks out of that room and immediately tells someone about it because yeah. she knows that she will be protected and that people will react well to her. They will support her. They will believe her. They will take it seriously. And uh, the Bill Cosby famous person will be punished and sanctioned in some way. When we get there, then we will be in a situation where it won't matter if you buy the Bill Cosby's stuff because he's going to fry because he did something criminal. Not if he's got enough money, right? But in my perfect world, yeah, in your perfect world, uh, it, you know, no amount of lawyers can you hire that well, can save you from committing a crime. That's fair, but take how how like Roseanne's show was taken away from her, which I'm not necessarily against, but I'm saying she made some comment and she lost her show. This guy raped for 50 years and people are still going to his comedy shows. Right. That's a different level of offense. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, why are people going to his comedy shows? Because people have racist or sexist yeah, yeah. ideas about victims, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, so I'll end with what the broader picture here is. is you know, th- this illuminates a lot of problems in our society that I'm getting to. One is the media. They should be ashamed of themselves for ignoring this for so long. The entertainment business, you know, we all, like, time's up, fellas. There's too much of this sort of thing. And and I have a feeling, like, we're going to see another 50 years of the entertainment business changing its culture, the casting couch, all that kind of stuff. You know, they people have too much power in that world. Yeah. Uh, we, personally, you and me, Umberto, should be ashamed for not paying enough attention to this. Yep. We probably heard about it kind of in the past and just was like, eh, just missed know. it. Yeah. Um, I think you and I have definitely turned a new leaf in the last number of years because of our exposure to the reality. Yep. Um, we have a lack of protection for victims. People were being abused left and right. And, you know, I always give the example, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Bill Cosby, if they had stabbed people in the knee with a knife, <laughs> yeah. uh, the victims would have come forward. Yeah. They would be like, Bill Cosby just stabbed me in the knee with a knife. Right. Uh, but when it comes to sex, we have a society that tells people that they're, they should be ashamed of themselves because they're sluts or whatever. We also live in an extremely sexist society still that teaches young women that if they're raped, they're better off remaining silent. This is a super effed up system that we have right now. And we are all participating in that. We make those rules. As a society, you know, you can't blame Trump for sexism. Yeah. I just want to say that. Trump is a wonderful scapegoat, but he's not to blame. What is to blame is us. We make the rules for that. We make our society... And we can change it. And we are, but we need to keep going down that road. What's your final word, Berto? Yeah, I think uh, I was deeply, deeply disappointed in kind of life when 
it finally came through that this was not only real, but to an unimaginable scale. Uh, Bill Cosby, to me, maybe didn't mean as much as, uh, like in your case, you grew up so much with him, with so many different aspects of him. I can only imagine. But even just the fact that, like, I I looked up to him as someone that was like, wow, that guy, that guy really has got it together. He's such a good role model. I it, it impacted my life personally when I was young with his cartoons and stuff. And to see that, like, wow, at the same time, you were such a monster. It makes it hard to comprehend how that duality can exist in a person. Now, it also, uh, as we were talking through it, it brought up a few things for me personally that I was like, wow, you know, it's interesting how like people like me that have had traumatic experiences, they can head down these dark paths and not even realize it. And in some cases, they keep going and going and going. So anyways, it's it's sort of uh, like teaching kids to be aware. Like if someone had talked to me or if I had known like through schooling and things, like, hey, be aware of these impulses. Just know that that's not something you should reinforce. And here's why. And all these, you know, that would have been really useful. Bill Cosby included. Yeah, of course. Think of someone, he's 15 years old yeah. and he's having, you know, these burgeoning rapist yeah. notions. You go to him and, and you're like, hey, let's talk about your traumas. Right. Let's talk about your attitudes about women. Let's help you integrate some of your feelings about attachment and love and sexuality. Right. Let's, let's try to, let's address your sexual shame. Let's talk, Bill. Before talk. he becomes a monster. Yeah. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me out there. Let us know what you think by emailing us at contact at psychologyinseattle.com. What, what are your memories of Bill Cosby? And what do you think about uh, our questions? Is it okay to still watch a stand-up? Thanks for joining us. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it.